What up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy, Emmanuel. I'm back. I'm not in the kitchen today. I'm in the office. I'm out here in... Where we at, Twilight? Tiger. 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 Out here in Tiger. Nike With brother Orlando Williams. Orlando, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? Good to be here. Man, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to do this. You know what I mean? It was uh, in due time that we was going to make this happen, so... Um, I think this will be part three of the okay. series. Okay. Um, or actually, you know, I don't know what. I might save you for last. Cause it's okay. Be, <laughs> you know All what right. I mean? But this is a part of the Religion and Worldview series. And um, today's religion or worldview is going to be, I'll let you say it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Bible accuracy. Bible truth. accuracy, truth. Yeah. And would we say Hebrew Israelite? Hebrew Israelite. All right. The original Christian. Mm, yeah. Let's go. The original Christian. So um, I'm gonna just start out with the with the basic question. Well, first, let's mm-hmm. get, have people get to know you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and your I would announce all of the things that have happened in your illustrious career, but I'll let you do it. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm a native to Oregon, um, local Benson High School. Um, my previous life was spent. Uh, on the basketball court, yeah. uh, so played basketball at Benson, state champion, mm-hmm. and went to University of Oregon. Was all American there. Um, got a chance to play professionally, um, both internationally and domestic. Okay. Um, got cut a few times, but mm-hmm. you know that's part of the journey. Um, uh, ended up being one of the leading scorers in the history of University of Oregon. Um, broke a bunch of records there. Mm-hmm. My specialty was three point shooting. Then from there, I went and played uh, with the Globetrotters uh, for two years, mm-hmm. traveled the world, had an incredible experience there, yeah. um, and then came back to Oregon and decided to you know, try my hand at entrepreneurship. Mm. Uh, so started a company uh, back in 2002 uh, in the executive recruiting and search space, um, temporary staffing as well, which is where we are right now, yeah. um, a company called Modus, and have been one of the fastest growing minority-owned businesses in the state of Oregon since our inception. Uh, Right now, we're one of the largest in the region, um, one of the most competitive as well. Uh, I'm the president and CEO. Um, We have about 170 employees um, spread out between Oregon and Washington and uh, continuing to grow. It's been a blessing. God has truly blessed us. Uh, Got three children and a beautiful wife. Uh Been married for 13 years, going on 14 years. So all that's Kind of a snapshot of who I am. Yeah, man. Now I remember you back when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember watching on TV because, like, uh, that was. I think I don't want to mm-hmm. date it too much, but mm-hmm. when I was a kid, <laughs> I watched you. I remember you had that high top. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep, the box. Yep, I remember you yep. was a lefty at yep, Oregon. That was yep. the first time I really started watching like college basketball. Okay. Okay. And uh, I just remember you killing it. You know what I mean? I was like, man, who was that dude? I was like, Dad, is he related to us? Because we got the same last name. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, no, but uh, yeah, man, that's it's it's been dope to see you just like over the years. Appreciate and then that. like see you at ET, you know, yep. at, at my yep. wife's church, and yep. it's just like this brother is like humble, like you really mm-hmm. humble, and you you've done a lot in your life, but. If someone comes across you and met you, they wouldn't come across and say, like, oh, that dude, he must think he better than yeah. whatever. Um, well, I think it's partly because I remember, I one, I know where I'm from. Yeah. And also, two, as we alluded to earlier, I know that I'm a Hebrew Israelite, which, which also means while God has called me, it also means that our people, our ancestors have fallen from a very, very long way. Mm. So there's, I mean... Being humble is a part of the experience if you're a true Hebrew Israelite because you realize, I mean, what are you to be boastful about when you've fallen so far from your call? That's real. So yeah. for me, I look at that, look at it that way and say, you know, there's 
there's nothing that I would be boastful about anything that I've have or that I've done is by the grace of God mm-hmm. um, and true grace because we have fallen so far because we were called to do a job and we dropped the ball and so now I understand the true meaning of grace mm-hmm. and where I am is definitely by what God has provided Man, yeah. that's, that's dope now you doing you still doing work on Comcast Sportsnet? Still still working with the Blazers. Okay. Uh, Comcast right. Sportsnet um, or NBC Sports, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, working with them, do two shows: Rip City Live, which is a pregame show, and then we do Talking Ball, which is postgame. Yeah. I'm an analyst. Um, I'm one of two analysts that the organization has um, for the for the for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. I've been doing that for seven years. Man. Seven years, yeah, yeah. yeah. 164 shows a season, man. Yeah. So he's counting. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, yeah. though, yeah. man. So yeah. you're going to be doing that for the foreseeable future, huh? Yeah, they, they, they actually called me yesterday okay. and wanted to make sure that I was in for another season. Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to stick with it. I feel like God opened that door for a number of reasons. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like it's a means to an end, mm-hmm. um, but he opened that door for a number of reasons, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with it until he tells me to do something different. So since you're an analyst and you watch every game just mm-hmm. about, um, yeah, yeah. what can we do at this point? We were the number three seed, yep. um, but we – and I knew that this matchup was bad for us. Yep. So I was like, man, I hope we lose that last game to Utah mm-hmm. so that we fall back and so we can play either Utah or OKC. Right, right. Because I went to at least two of those games uh-huh. against New Orleans. Yep. We barely won. Right. right. And then when Boogie went down mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. They started playing better, right? You know what I mean. Yep. So you're exactly right. With that team, it's a bad matchup. Obviously, with mm-hmm. Golden State, mm-hmm. you know that's a beast, and Houston. Yeah. So what can Portland do in your estimation? Well, I think a couple of things are very clear. So a lot of people talk about Dame and CJ and whether those two can coexist and be a mm-hmm. contender with mm-hmm. those two players on the floor. Mm-hmm. Well, they can, but they need someone who can be a playmaker from the from the three or from the four. Mm-hmm. You need a guy who can defend and who actually knock down shots on a consistent basis. And right now they're depending on Alfred Aminu to do that. Mm-hmm. And he, unfortunately, unfortunately. is not the guy <laughs> to be counted on um, to be a consistent threat from the perimeter. Right. And he's a little shaky when it comes to putting the ball on the floor. Yes. So, um, in my estimation, the core guys are going to be Dame, CJ, and, and Yusuf Nurkic. Mm. Nurkic is not going to be a superstar, right. but he's going to be a consistent contributor over time. Do you think he's a like cornerstone type of guy? Uh, he's a he's a maybe a thirteen and ten guy. Okay, but you need a thirteen and ten guy. How much, because how much does a thirteen and ten guy cost right now? In the <laughs> man, a thirteen and ten guy right now might cost you fifty um, or more. Mm. Um, the the challenge is you pay a, a Myers Leonard, you know, forty to forty five million. Nurkish is going to come in and say, "Well, I deserve 80, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to be the challenge. That's crazy. And and but it, the problem is Portland has a problem drawing guys like that, so they're going to have to pay him in order to keep him because losing him means what do you do now? I mean, you got the young fella and Zach Collins, who is the potential nice fit. He's long, he's mm-hmm. athletic, he's got good fire, he's got a nice touch. Yeah. I mean, he could step in, but now you starting over, and Damian Lillard's not getting any younger. No. 
So that doesn't help them. They need to win now. So they're, yeah. so to your answer your question, what they need right now mm-hmm. to help them be a contender, to compete with Houston and Golden State, they got to have that third dude on the perimeter that can score and that we can defend. Start, in my opinion. We need, like, Paul George, Kawhi Ball, Leonard. Yes, like, yes. Without that, like, we can't, like you said, we don't have time. Dame is no. late 20s. Right, exactly. He's in, he's in his prime. He is in his prime right now. He had his right best now. year last year. Correct. Or this past year. That's so. right. So if they don't get that, Dame and Dame is is a potential flight risk, mm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got work on that. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get to it. Yeah. Um, so you are we already touched on Hebrew Israelite. What yeah. does that mean to you? And just tell people like, no, what what do you believe? What does that mean to you? That yeah, title, absolutely. Yeah. Well, from a Hebraic perspective, that means that the original Hebrews that God called the descendants of Abraham mm-hmm. um, before. Um, he had his his sons and you had the 12 tribes that that original hebrew people were people of color mm-hmm. um, those indi- those individuals ended uh, and lived in the uh, ancient area of mesopotamia mm-hmm. um, ur of the chaldees um, before the chaldees became ruled by gentiles it was originally ruled by people of color um, the hebrew people are um, before they were Israel, before their names were changed, were those individuals who were a nomadic tribe of mm. individuals um, that if you wanted to even go as far, I mean, I hate to use the term, but just for familiarity's sake, I'm gonna use the term Africa because that's not that's not the original name for, right. the, for the land mass, but from that continent is where the people came. In fact, the garden was even there, the Garden of Eden between mm-hmm. the Euphrates um, River. So you look at that and you say, those people were people of color. Now the Garden of Eden, that was like, was it Ethiopia? Or Ethiopia, was it? Okay. E- well, it's between the, Tigris and the, between the Tigris and the uh, Euphrates River. Okay. So if you understand that particular state, then Ethiopia would be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know the specific location, okay. but we do know that that's one of the descriptors. Exactly, mm-hmm. in that area. So yeah. the Hebrew people came out of that, that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. We all know that the people in that area were people of color. Um, when you look at Egypt and the people, that was what was referred to as the land of the people of, of burnt faces, mm. right? So burnt face obviously means melanated individuals. Right. So from a Hebrew perspective, that's one group. Now, Hebrew also includes the other descendants of Abraham, which would be Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Because just because you're a Hebrew doesn't mean you're an Israelite. Mm. Right. So there's okay. a distinction between being a Hebrew and an Israelite. There are Hebrew Israelites and those are individuals that have Hebrew descendancy. Okay. So the Ishmaelites, being also descendants of Abraham Word. with Hagar, mm-hmm. would also be Hebrews, but they're not Israelites. Okay. So when you ask me, am I a Hebrew Israelite? I say, yes, my people descended from Abraham, but we also descended from Jacob. Mm. The, dis- the distinction between Jacob, Isaac and Jacob mm-hmm. um, versus Ishmael, Ishmael and Isaac. Mm. So my line, my people follow the 12 tribes from the descendancy of Jacob out of Abraham. So, so therefore Hebrew Israelite. Where will we find modern day Hebrew, you know, descendants of Ishmael? Um, we would find them in Asia, um, Asia Minor. So you'd find them in Iran, Iraq, Turkey, um, uh, Palestine. Mm. You'd find those individuals there. Okay. Um, also sometimes people refer to them as as Arabs. Okay. Um, where they have that, you know, they were influenced by the Muslim faith, um, yeah. the the Ottoman Empire, mm-hmm. um, those individuals that came out of Muhammad, those mm-hmm. are the individuals that you would say are descendants of, of Ishmael. Ishmael. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where 
So how did you come across the belief system? Like, what, what, what is that? Has that been your foundation? Were you raised on that? Or is that something mm-hmm. that you kind of came into the knowledge of as an adult? How did that? Yeah, about about 15 years ago um, is when my when my study started. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it was a revelation. It was like, you know, I was watching what was going on with our people. And I was looking at the faith and I was like being being growing up in the church, growing up in a in the Christian church, in the Christian church mm-hmm. realizing like, wait a minute. You know, we've gone through years and years of turmoil, but yet the scriptures say that we should be further than this if that's in fact the case. I mean, if I pray and I and I treat people fairly and all those sort of things according to the Christian faith, then I should have certain aspects that are manifesting themselves in my life when it comes to success and police right. or peace. But then I realize, wait a minute, man, we're still dying like dogs in the street. Right. You know, from police brutality. We're still underrepresented in healthcare and finance and higher education. I was like, how can that be if we are following the true and living God. There's right. got to be an issue here. And so I began to just try to understand that, the, mm-hmm. dis- the disparity between what the scripture says we can have and be mm-hmm. versus what was actually happening to us as a collective, mm-hmm. as a people. I'm not talking about the one-offs like the Oprah's, right? right? The one-offs. Because as a collective, we're still struggling as, as a people. Yeah, when you look at the millions. <laughs> when you look at the millions, yeah. we are still very much underrepresented. Yeah. So. That study, that started my study, and I began to read. I began to do research, historical mm-hmm. research. The Bible is a great history book as much as it is a spiritual book. Yeah. So I began to look at, okay, where did these people come from? When the Bible talks about Abraham, where is he from? Mm-hmm. What, where is the Chaldees? Where is Ur? I mean, when people unearthed the Ur in the um, 1700s, in the 1800s, and they started doing research, and they were digging up these ancient civilizations, they found that these people existed. These are people that the Bible talks about, but, mm-hmm. but in the Christian faith, we don't talk about these ancient civilizations as it relates to the scriptures, although the scriptures are very clear mm-hmm. about these tribes and these people, and why does the Bible even talk about them if it's not relevant? Mm-hmm. So I began researching that, and I began to find um, there was a book that really influenced me. It's called Lost Tribes and Promised Lands. Mm. And Lost Tribes and Promised Lands is a hard read. I'll be honest. I still it's need a, to read that. It's a hard read. I got it in the queue. <laughs> it's a, Definitely. I think anybody who wants to pursue kind of the understanding of what we would call cartography. Mm-hmm. Um, cartography is map making, what they refer to as the Mapa Mundi or the cartographers. Christopher mm-hmm. Columbus was a cartographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he worked with the conquistadors, otherwise known as conquerors, mm-hmm. the Spanish, um, the Spaniards and the um, and the. Um, uh, uh, Portuguese, Portuguese, yeah. right? Conquistadors, uh, map makers. They were making maps for the kings, but they were in pursuit of something. They were in pursuit of Presbyter John, who was supposed to be this black Israelite mm-hmm. who could save their empire from the Ottoman Empire. He was mm-hmm. supposed to be the most wealthy individual um, and that you were going to find him on what they referred to as the African continent. When I read that book and found out that those individuals were pursuing this individual for military and financial purposes, and Mm -hmm. that's why they decided, because before that, they thought that the earth was flat Mm -hmm. and they would not dare to to venture in any water outside of the Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. which would be, you know, Northern Africa, right? Mm -hmm. Or Western Europe. Mm So they didn't explore out of that, but because they were so desperate in wanting to find some sort of relief from what the Ottoman Empire was doing, moving from the east into the west, they began to search after Presbyter John. In their pursuit of Presbyter John, they decided that they were going to circumnavigate the west coast of Africa. As they began to circumnavigate the west coast of Africa, they found people, people of color 
people that they began to call savages and all this sort of thing, but they didn't understand what they were coming across. But they were also in pursuit of gold, and they were trying to find this individual. Mm. Well, explain to me why these Western Europeans were searching after a black Hebrew Israelite Mm. if they didn't understand that the Israelites of old were people of color. And so as I began to research that, and there were many other books that I began to study, it began to make sense. Mm. So I said, wait a minute. If those people were my people, then everything that God wrote in his scriptures was to me. And that would be an explanation of why we are where we are today. Mm. So I began to look for the correlation between that and the scriptures. And I fell upon Deuteronomy chapter 28. Okay. And it began to explain to me why we're in the condition that we're in. And that Deuteronomy chapter 28 does not describe any other peoples that have ever walked the face of this earth. Mm. It says that they were going to, you were going to go back into Egypt. You were going to be sold as bond men and bond women. You're going to build houses and not live in them. Um, all of those things only matched us. Mm. And I thought, that's amazing. I was like, there is no other people to exist that that would describe. So that was where my journey began. It has evolved tremendously since then, right. but that's the inception. Okay. So... I remember you telling me about the Presbyter John, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you told me like a picture that they had yes. in the. Can you describe that picture of the, what they had in them? In absolutely. That, in that book? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in that book, they have one of the original maps that was created by the cartographers, and mm-hmm. the map had basically it had a picture of Jesus on a landmass. Now remember, the original cartographers, the earlier cartographers, used maps as art. Mm. It wasn't necessarily geographically accurate. It okay. was just a piece of art. Okay. So the art was their their understanding of what the world was like. So the, the picture had um, Jesus on it. His head was the Garden of Eden. His two hands spanned the right hand and the left hand, the two corners of the earth and his feet. So you had four corners of the earth, the head, the two hand, right and left hand, and the mm. feet. And so on that map, you had all of these these elaborate writings and pictures of people. One of the individuals, one of the kings that was on that map was Presbyter John. Mm. A lot of people refer to him maybe potentially as um, King Midas or or. one of the other kings that I've seen him as Mansa Musa. When as Mansa Musa. You described that picture. Right. You said so, it was a, what was he? He was a. He was holding an incredibly large gold nugget. Gold nugget, yeah. And he had a crown on his head. Yes. And the gold nugget, what people refer to as Mansa Musa, being the very rich king who had all the gold. The richest king of all. The richest Richard person of, to ever live. To ever live. Yeah. Well, on that map, he was Presbyter John. Mm. Mansa Musa, however you want to look at it, the, yeah. the story goes throughout. But the key thing is sometimes in looking at those types of stories, you have to find out what's the true essence of what it is. Whether mm-hmm. it's Mansa Musa, Presbyter John, King Midas, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. the essence is they thought enough of this individual mm-hmm. to put him on one of the original maps for cartographers yeah. as a black king having incredible wealth, mm-hmm. wearing a crown upon his head. Word. So that is where the essence is. It's not necessarily looking at it and saying, well, you know, there was this rich man and he was black. Mm -hmm. No, it's what were they really trying to say? It was a manifestation of their understanding of the times. So what part of that would lead one to believe, like, is there any other circumstantial evidence that Mm -hmm. says that Presbyter John or Mansa Musa Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was a Hebrew Israelite? 
outside of that account? Outside of that account, there are others think that, that they came before Columbus. There's a lot of other writings that have the same type of teaching and have the same type of thought process. Mm-hmm. But really, when you look at that individual and you say, what is the other evidence? Well, the other evidence exists between the Moors that ended up moving into Europe mm-hmm. and being rulers and leaders there and how individuals acquiesced, individuals of a Western um, European nature acquiesced their rulership and leadership to people of dark skin, mm. the melanated skin. Mm-hmm. That that his leadership was simply a extension of how people felt about people with black faces. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always that people felt like a leader like that, like a king, like a Mansa Musa, was some original or some oddity or some unique factor. No, it was more common mm. that the rulers were black and that mm. they had melanated skin. That was not an outlier. It wasn't until race became included into the equation and people mm. had to monetize race that that became something of a factor. Right. So the evidence that he, being the person that they were pursuing, mm. is just basically highlighted but by how other individuals of color were treated in Western Europe mm-hmm. prior to them kicking the Moors out of Europe and wanting to, you know, create their own, you know, lands and peoples. And it also goes to say that, you know, Egypt ran the world mm-hmm. for an extended exactly. period of time. Exactly. Right. And then the ancient Babylonians mm-hmm. exactly. were black. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the Syrians, yes. right? Yes. So yes. So it so it fits. Yeah. So why would they create a map? So going back to my original statement, why would they create a map with this individual with the gold nugget and a mm-hmm. crown on his head? Mm-hmm. They created that from the historical references that they had based on who the people and the rulers were prior to that. Word. So it fits in if you say you whether you're looking at Egyptians or whether you're looking at ancient Babylonians, mm-hmm. whether you're looking at ancient Assyrians, Phoenicians. All of those people being people of color, mm-hmm. being melanated, black faces, burnt faces, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me at all throughout their history books that they would highlight an individual that has that much wealth being a man, a black man. It, it amazes me how, um, you know, white supremacy has developed over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, but like the English language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. derived from where? Right from Phoenicians, for, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you got your whole language from Phoenicians who are, yeah. or were they were they Hebrew or were they just lived? They near, were they were just near in that near in, that in, that area. in the same right, area, right? Yeah. yeah, but you got your language from us. You got your math. You learn math. You learned everything. Yes. yes, from black melanated people. Yes, and now you the best. Yes, right. <laughs> well, the ignorance <laughs> ignorance does not play favorites. Right. <laughs> and so just because a person is is a Caucasian or a Western European, they are subject to the same ignorance that a black person would have about mm. history. Yeah. It doesn't a, a racist person um, has two paths that they have to walk. One of complete ignorance as mm-hmm. to history mm-hmm. um, or the other is the complete denial right. of history. Yeah. One of them is going to lead them. Both of them lead them to the same destination, yeah. which is uh, a superiority complex that's based on manifest destiny that is founded in fallacy. Mm. And so whether they believe that because they just want to deny the truth of history or whether they believe that because they're ignorant, the destination is still the same, yeah. which is a, a skewed view of the world and what it really is. Word. And that's sad. It is. And it's so widespread. But yeah. Uh, we might touch on that a little bit later. Okay. I want to get in a, get into De- Deuteronomy 28. Yep. So you said that's the the passage of scripture. And now, what, I, what I've heard from mm-hmm. other Hebrew Israelites, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is like 
kind of the foundation, the bedrock of mm -hmm. what we in America, how we come to believe and what we see our, our evidence is that points back to us yes. as black right. people in America. Right. Right. So is it the whole chapter or is it a certain section of it? Like, what would you say is what would you highlight from that? You know, it is it is the whole chapter. The reason why it's the whole chapter is because Deuteronomy chapter 28 starts with blessings. Mm -hmm. But most Western Christians, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you how it starts because most Western Christians only look at the blessings. Um, he says, and it shall come to pass, this is Deuteronomy 28 and 1, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord God, thy God, will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now, this is where it gets really interesting because most Western Christians was like, okay, I want this part of it. It says, and these blessings, all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be the basket of thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Now, I won't read all of that, but most Western Christians smile at oh, that. Yeah, They're like, that's a song. That's not yeah. We're blessed in yeah, the Absolutely. Hey. Everybody's <laughs> excited. But the yeah. problem is most people don't jump over to verse 15. Uh-oh. What's, what's going on in 15? Verse 15, it says, but it shall come to pass if thou will not hearken mm. unto the voice of the Lord thy God okay. to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Mm. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, mm -mm. and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Mm. Cursed shall be the basket and thy store, curse shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the land, and the increase of the kind, and the flocks of the sheep, curse shalt thou be when thou comest in, and curse shalt thou be when thou goest out. Mm. So now, that's just the introduction. So, like you said, we turn the first part into a song, <laughs> but nobody bothers to read the second part. Now, when you read the rest of Deuteronomy, yeah. chapter 28, you'll see that there are some very specific things that he says that only apply to us. Like, okay. for example, in verse 32, thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing after them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand the fruit of thy land and all thy labor shall be shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed always mm. and if you continue to look at that um verse 37 says and thou shalt become an astonishment a proverb and a byword among all nations whither the lord shall lead thee and he continues throughout Deuteronomy 28 to start, and he starts getting more specific. Um, when you start saying that the stranger, verse 43, the stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. Mm -hmm. People don't know that there was a mixed multitude that left Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's a mixed multitude and there were people of color leaving Egypt, there's apparently somebody was with us when we left Egypt mm -hmm. that came above us very high and we came down very low mm -hmm. and I'm like okay well how could that be 
if the stranger got up high, we certainly aren't high. Mm -hmm. We're certainly a proverb and a byword. I mean, they've made words for us and call us all kinds of names. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can give you a few of them, right? There's Mm -hmm. coon, Mm -hmm. there's jungle bunny, there's nigger. Mm -hmm. All of these are bywords that they've titled us with. And then you start talking about being a speckled bird that you can't hide no matter where you go. Mm -hmm. He's gonna put um, chains of iron around your neck and that your wives and your children are gonna be sold. All of those things are very specific to us. And the key thing, Emmanuel, that I would say is that when he says that that you're going to go to a nation that you didn't know, the interesting thing about that is... Where does it say that at? Where we just read in verse 33, 33. 28 and 33. The okay. fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up. Now, see, that's one of the tales because our people were familiar with Egypt. We were familiar with Asia Minor. Mm -hmm. We were familiar with Chaldees. We were familiar with Ur. We were familiar with the Middle East. We were familiar with Canaan land or Jerusalem. This is talking about some place that we weren't familiar with, a place Mm -hmm. that we hadn't been before. And so when he says, I'm going to take you into Egypt again with ships, well, Abraham was familiar with Egypt. In Mm -hmm. fact, he went to Egypt with his wife, Sarah, Mm -hmm. right? So that wouldn't be a place that he's unfamiliar. Mm. When it says that it's a land that we're unfamiliar with, well, if you continue to read Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'll find that this land included people with a fierce countenance. And mm. there we would worship idols of wood and gods of wood and stone. Mm. Well, that bondage place, that Egypt, which refers to bondage, refers to our original bondage, could be referred to as the Western Hemisphere as the United States of America mm-hmm. and throughout. I mean, there are other countries, other places, South America, even the islands that you would consider where we were also held as slaves. Mm-hmm. That's, we're not, we weren't familiar with those places. So just a few questions about yep. that. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. could it be that some of these things that have been pronounced, some of these curses mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. have been pronounced in Deut- Deuteronomy 28, mm-hmm have most of them already come to pass or are they still continuing that's a great question what i would refer to for example to that as a response to that is i'd look at deuteronomy 28 and 68 okay and deuteronomy 28 and 68 says and the lord shall bring thee into egypt again with ships Mm -hmm. by the way whereof i spoke unto thee thou shalt see it no more again and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bond men and bond women, and no man shall buy you, meaning mm-hmm. nobody's going to free you. Mm-hmm. Well, the question that any Bible-believing Christian should ask is, when did the Israelites go back into Egypt on ships? So I've I've done a little bit of research, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. and and it was it was Pastor uh, mm-hmm. Epiphany Fellowship. What's his name? Eric Mason. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was reciting some type of event that happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they were sent out on ships at one point in time, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. around the Mediterranean uh-huh, River uh-huh. to Egypt. So that my question would be in that instance. So the only, and I'm talking Bible now, the only instance where God shows any scattering of people, because now I have to go and find this instance. Okay. So now I have to say, okay, I've read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Mm-hmm. I've seen the blessings and I've seen the curses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now my job is then to go find where he said the curses are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I got to go find that. 
Because scripture, if scripture says that if we were obedient, then we would only have the first half of Deuteronomy 28. Mm -hmm. We'd be above only, not beneath. We'd be lenders and not borrowers. We'd mm -hmm. be all those sort of things. Well, we're not. So now I have to go say, well, clearly there was disobedience. And scripture would bear that out, right? Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, Amos, all of the prophets were designed to bring Israel back to God because mm -hmm. of our disobedience, Word. right? So all throughout scripture, that was the job of the prophet, bring Israel back. Well, we know that throughout all first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, disobedience was the order of the day. Mm. So ultimately that disobedience caused the nine tribes to be scattered. Mm. So if the disobedience now have to go precept upon precept, if the disobedience was what the children of Israel did, then that, then the second half of, that, of chapter 28 has to come into play. Okay. Verse 15, because they were disobedient. No one would disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Children of Israel were hard-headed, stiff-necked. Yeah. So God takes out the nine tribes with the Assyrians. The Assyrian king comes in, and he takes out all of Samaria. Mm -hmm. And nine tribes went with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there we have the example. So now I go, okay, well, clearly they were disobedient, so the second half took place. So now I'm saying, how were they taken out? How did they leave? Where did they go? The scripture said that they went east, that he took them into Chaldee, he took them into other parts of the mm. Babylonian Empire. Okay. Okay, so east, there's no body of water. Word. There's only land mass. Mm -hmm. From Jerusalem into Asia Minor, there's no sea for them to go on ships into that part of the world. That's mm -hmm. what scripture says. Mm -hmm. So then I say, okay, that's the nine. What happened to the other three? Benjamin, Levi, and Judah. Mm -hmm. They were left, right, in the kingdom of Judah. David, you know, that whole thing with his splitting of the kingdoms. Mm -hmm. So if I were to say, how then would the individuals, who was it then that went back to Egypt on ships after that? Well, the only other cataclysmic exodus that took place, diaspora that took place, that happened after the nine tribes went out was in 70 AD mm. when Titus marched his armies, the Roman armies, into Judah, into Jerusalem, yeah. and scattered those people. Mm -hmm. So then my question to anybody who would say that they went back to Egypt, I would say when the scripture highlight that they did that. Mm. There's no scriptural refer reference that they went back to Egypt. The scriptural reference is that, that they were scattered they were either crucified mm. or they were killed another way or mm. they were enslaved in the part of the world that the Roman Empire came from. Mm -hmm. But nowhere does it say that they got these ships and took masses of people back to Egypt and to made a nation them unknown. to a nation unknown to them, mm. which would have been the verse 33 that I read. Mm -hmm. There is no scriptural evidence. Yeah, that when that he happened. was breaking it down, <clears throat> he didn't touch the nation unknown part. He touched the Egypt part, right. but not the nation unknown. Right. And we um, got to be accurate, right? Yeah, we yeah. cannot leave that out. That's a big point. God doesn't have any word in his Bible for no reason. Well, there so um when I was reading through it, I have the complete Jewish version mm -hmm, of the Bible, mm -hmm, so it, mm -hmm. the wording is different mm -hmm, from I think mm -hmm. yeah, King James. Yep. Yeah. So, um what it says in 68, the second half of it is mm -hmm. uh you will not ever see it again mm -hmm. and uh, well, let me just read. Finally, Adonai will bring you back in ships to Egypt, the place of which I said to you, you will not ever see it again. And there you will try to sell yourselves as slaves mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to your enemies, but no one will buy you. Mm. So that's so mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. wording. Yep. Yep. 
right. would would lead you to think of a, a mm-hmm. different outcome. Right. You would right. present yourselves to be mm-hmm. bought because mm-hmm. you don't have anything. Right. Right. And they won't even buy you as right. slaves. So that means right. you won't have any refuge. So you just right. be wandering around, wandering around on the land. Right. With right. no resources. Exactly. But that doesn't line up with. It doesn't sound like it lines up with the the King James version. The it wording. Line, right. And and so here's how I resolve different. Uh, translations of the Bible mm-hmm. with precepts. Okay, it's the precept because if it's not for the precept, all of these new international versions, Hebrew Bibles, <laughs> Israelite Bibles, all these different Bibles mm-hmm. would then lead people down different courses. Word. It's the precept upon precept, line upon line, that leads to the truth. Okay. That's why you have to study here a little and there a little. Mm-hmm. Because you're right. You read that passage of scripture and it says, well, okay, nobody's going to buy you. But the reality of what God is saying is that those individuals, from the precept perspective, is that what was Egypt to the Israelites? A land of bondage. Mm-hmm. It was only a land of bondage. Mm-hmm. So then the, the curse that's going to come up on you is bondage again. And then he goes in and he says in Jeremiah, he says, what are my children? Are you a, a homeborn slave? Meaning, are you only slaves? Is that your only line of living? Is that you're going to be a slave forever? It's like, can you not get this right so that you know that you're not a natural born slave? So Egypt is basically a precept of slave life. And even our history, when you look at the history in the United States, we look about black history in the United States. That's not black history. That's slave history. That's all it is. That's all it is. So mm-hmm. the precept is slavery. Mm-hmm. So the, when I look at that and I read it in a different version and they say it a different way, mm-hmm. even when you read that, I know that the precept is talking about slavery because other scriptures in Jeremiah go back to that same precept of mm-hmm. you being a natural born slave. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't make you to be a natural born slave. Mm-hmm. But if you continue to be disobedient, you're going to be in bondage forever. Mm. And to this day, if you really want to be real about it, the black man in the United States of America is still in bondage. We're still subject to that. Mm -hmm. So the precept means, now, if you want to go as far as being a slave and how slaves behave, what kind of bondage is it here? Yes, it's bondage. And people are trying to sell themselves. In fact, they sell themselves every day. In the entertainment industry, mm. in the sports industry, and but the difference is, oh, people buy it in mm. large quantities, mm. but we still in bondage. Everybody that's listening right now, I want y'all to understand the reason why I'm going on about the history of Hebrew Israelite is because it means everything. It's mm-hmm. not just a, to me from what I'm, and mm-hmm. you could jump in and let mm-hmm. me know if I'm, mm-hmm. you know, missing the mark. Sure, sure, but. Without the history, and even with Christianity, mm-hmm. with everything mm-hmm. that we believe, without mm-hmm. the history, if we don't get our history right, mm-hmm. then we're going to be going on a path that we probably shouldn't be going down and making statements that we're probably not qualified to make. That is Does absolutely that right? correct. Okay. That is absolutely correct. If you don't know who you are, then you're going to continuously search for an identity. And one of the successful aspects of the enemy and what he's done is he's attached identities to us. Mm -hmm. So we don't know who we are, Mm -hmm. so we don't know who we should follow. We Mm -hmm. don't realize that Western Christianity came out of the Roman Empire, which originated with the Babylonian Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, we've adopted a belief system that is not our own. Mm -hmm. God told us specifically what he was going to do for us and do to us if we didn't adhere. So Mm -hmm. if you don't understand that history, then you're willing to accept whatever identity of you're given. Mm. So now we come into the Western culture and we've we've 
basically got a pathological existence. Mm. And pathology is that you have one mind, but you don't have your original mind. So your mind is set to do something and be somebody else. Mm. So while we're here, we're trying to fit into a culture that doesn't allow us to fit. So we've modified ourselves <laughs> and our behaviors to be something that we're not. And because we now have a different pathology, we want what the Gentiles have. And God says, don't seek after what the Gentiles have. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteous. So, but now we live in a pathological place. So tell me about these Gentiles that you speak mm -hmm, of. Mm -hmm. Now, growing up in the Christian church, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the way that the Jew and the Gentile was broken up mm -hmm. or was explained to us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was... We're all Gentiles mm -hmm. until we receive Christ. Right. Because they said Gentile is a person who was not a believer. Right. Now, right. according to what you have read yes. <laughs> yes. and researched, yes. what is the true meaning to you of a Gentile? Yes. What's the definition? Absolutely. The scriptures are clear in Genesis chapter 10 that Gentiles are are what we refer to as white white people, okay. uh, Caucasians. Okay. Um, those individuals... Um, come out of Genesis chapter 10 and they are, you know, very clear. Can I read it? And go share ahead, yeah, go it? Ahead, okay, yeah. so Genesis 10 and 1. And I'll just read just a couple of verses. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, and unto them were sons born after the flood, the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshesh, and Tyrus. Those are all Western European nations. Now, mm -hmm. you can do your own research mm -hmm. and find those, and you'll find out where they are. Uh, and the sons of Gomar, Ashkenaz, most people maybe listening to your podcast would understand that there is a group of people called the Ashkenazi Jews. Right. Well, Ashkenaz is a son of Japheth. Mm -hmm. We know that the Jewish people, the tribe of Judah, came out of Shem. Mm -hmm. So how did an Ashkenazi Jew come out of Japheth? That's not possible mm. because all Hebrew Israelites come out of Shem. Hmm. So now you have Ashkenaz, who is clearly a descendant of Japheth, according to scripture. Yeah. And people attribute those to being Jews. It's an interesting thing, dichotomy. Mm. Yeah. And Riptah and Togomara, verse 4, and the sons of Java, Elisha, and Tarshish, Kittim, and Dudanim. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. Mm. That's who the scriptures say are Gentiles. Okay. If you do your research, you'll find that those are all Western European nations. Mm. You cannot, if you are a melanated person, if you are a black person, you cannot descend from that group of people. Mm -hmm. Now... The whole interesting thing about that is that you might be a Hamite. Mm -hmm. Easily. Yeah. Easily. You could That's be a Hamite. That's Egypt and uh, Egypt, Ethiopia right. and all exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's where if you continue to read Genesis chapter 10, you'll see the descendants of Ham, Egypt, um, Ethiopia, mm -hmm. right, Libya. Mm -hmm. Those are all the sons of, of Ham. Right. Um, including Canaan. Yeah. Right. Um, so you might be from that descendant line, mm -hmm. but you're not from the descendants of Jopeth mm -hmm. in that line. Yeah. So it makes it very clear to understand that. And why is it important to understand that? Not because you're better. Mm -hmm. It's just because there was a call given to Israelites. The Israelites' job, when people say, well, why? what are you called to do? You're like, people always talk about they're called. Mm -hmm. Well, called to do what? Mm -hmm. Called to bring back all the sons of Adam 
and to bring them back into a right relationship with God. Mm. That's your call. Mm. So if you are an Israelite and you understand that you're an Israelite, you understand what you're designed to do. So that all that paganism that Paul tried to teach the Gentile nations, whether it was the Corinthians or whether it was the Romans or whether it was the Ephesians, mm -hmm. where he was teaching them how to live for God, that's your job. Mm. But if you don't know that, you basically adopt Gentile teachings and you believe you begin to serve the gods of wood and stone. Mm -hmm. And that's why people get disrupted. So that's to the essence of why you need to know that. Mm -hmm. That's why, because you're called to do what God called his Israelite people to do which was to bring back all the sons of Adam, mm. no matter where you're from. So you touched on something that is very important mm -hmm. um, earlier. So you were talking about Ashkenaz and Ashkenazi mm -hmm. Jews. Mm -hmm. um, and just from an outside perspective, someone that doesn't know the, mm -hmm. the background, mm -hmm. um, what some would look at mm -hmm. your belief system mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and say, well, you're just a black Jewish guy because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you follow like mm -hmm. they'll just put the Jew title right because right. of the you know you follow the Torah or whatever the case yeah, might be yeah yeah why is it so important to distinguish mm -hmm. between what what is the definition of Jewish yes what does that really mean right why are other people that don't descend from mm -hmm. was it Shem yes Correct. why are they calling themselves Jewish right. how do we get to that point Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Um, it's an interesting question, Emmanuel, because the world has labeled an entire group of people Jew, mm -hmm. right? And they say that Jews, their do the Jewish religion is Judaism. Mm -hmm. um, I take offense to that, okay? Because when you try to turn my heritage and history into a religion, Judaism, being a Jew, is a people. It is a bloodline. It's not a religion. Mm. So the only way that other people could claim to be a Jew and not be a Jew is if they turn it into a religion. Mm. So then because in a religion, you can convert convert anybody, anybody into a religion, mm. but you can't just bring somebody into a bloodline. But you can though, right? Into well, didn't through, Moses through marriage? Through marriage, through marriage. Okay, that's the only. And way. offspring is the only way. Okay, right? You can't just say, well, all of a sudden I'm just going to make you. You're going to be a Jew because you say a few words and and you follow a few processes. What about the foreigners that came in? Mm -hmm. Weren't they turned into? They were what they refer to as spiritual Israel. Mm. When Paul said, "I am," he's like, "I." I tremble or I have sorrow for my brethren mm -hmm. in the flesh who are Israelites. Mm -hmm. So he made a distinction between his brethren in the flesh and spiritual Israel. Mm -hmm. And then he goes in to say that they are people that were grafted in. He's like the Romans. He was like, you guys are grafted in. Mm -hmm. He's like, you didn't bear the root. The root bore you. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to let them know there is the natural root. The individuals who are of the bloodline okay. and then individuals who get grafted in. Okay. And how you get grafted in, he's like, the only reason why you're grafted in right now is because Israel stumbled and dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. And you should be grateful Boy. that Israel stumbled and dropped the ball because that allowed you to be grafted in. Okay. So back to the point about Jew. So if you're from the tribe of Benjamin, you're a Benjamite. Mm -hmm. If you're from the tribe of Levi, you're a Levite. If you're from the tribe of Judah, you're a Jew. Mm. 
But all of a sudden, the entire world is now from the tribe of Judah because everybody's a Jew. It's like how that happens, right? Mm. But that that's not the case. People have to understand that Paul, who said that I am a, a descendant of Abraham, I am a Israelite, I am from the tribe of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. He made it very clear that he was an Israelite and from the tribe of Benjamin. That's funny. I had that highlighted too. Right? Because if he didn't say that, then people, now we look at him like everybody's a Jew. Well, how can you be a Jew if you're not from the tribe of Judah? Mm. And that is very clear. That is a distinction that people miss in Paul's commentary. Mm. Paul's not a Jew. Paul's a Benjamite. That is very clear. And he makes that very clear in Romans um, in the early. Is that why he... Is that why he persecuted the early church because he's from a different tribe initially, or did that have anything to do with that? He was he was persecuting the church because they were following Jesus. Okay. He didn't believe. Remember his his encounter on the um, Damascus Road uh-huh. was to encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay. He was like, no, we only follow the Torah. Right. All y'all Christians, all y'all people saying that the Messiah has come. Nah, he, he didn't Messiah. have any love for them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So going back to the the Jew mm-hmm. versus Israelite. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wouldn't you would never conflate the two terms. No. Okay. Absolutely. I would say that a Jew is an Israelite, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where they come from, but not all Israelites are Jews. Mm. So all Jews are Israelites, but not all Israelites are Jews because there are Israelites from Benjamin, Neptali, Dan, mm. um Levi, right? So Paul was an Israelite. Yes. And a Benjamite. But from Benjamin. the tribe, he was an Israelite from the tribe from of Benjamin. From the tribe of Benjamin, correct. And you were you said earlier about where there were Israelites from the tribe of uh, or from um, uh, who was Hagar's son? Oh, those are Hebrews from those are Hebrews, Hebrews but not Israelites. Oh, I'm getting mixed up. I'm getting me. All right, okay, so, let the, me, let so me. the Hebrew is just you came from Abraham. Correct. Correct. Israelite means you came from Jacob. Correct. Correct. Okay. Two different lines, right? Two different son of the promise, Isaac, mm-hmm. right? And then you have Ishmael. So from Isaac comes Jacob. Jacob. Yep. From mm-hmm. Jacob comes the twelve tribes. Word. From Hagar and Abraham comes Ishmael, mm-hmm. and he also had twelve princes, right? Mm-hmm. And he was blessed, right? So that's a different line. But when you come to the Israelites, you say, okay, from the Israelites you have twelve tribes. All 12 of those tribes are Israelites, but they are very distinctive people. Mm-hmm. Benjamites, uh, Danites, Levites, and Jews. Not the same. Different groups. Jews as in from the tribe of Judah. Correct. Okay. Correct. Dope. All right. That's awesome. I'm, I'm <laughs> finally, like, I've heard it before in Bible mm-hmm. study, but now I'm just like, it's Coagulating. Yeah. So let's let's get into um, the four basic components of a worldview. Okay. So as a Hebrew mm-hmm. Israelite, um, what do you ascribe to as you know the origin story? Yeah. Would um, it be straight out of Genesis, or is there anything additional? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, du- definitely directly out of Genesis. Okay. Um, when we talk about carbon dating and an old earth and all mm. those sort of things. Billions of years. Billions of years old. Mm-hmm. I simply subscribe to very simple. The word of God is simple. Mm. And people that make it more complex do so at their own peril because then they have to make arguments that support their statements. I'm going to make a statement very simply this. That God said in the beginning, 
I think of the beginning is in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Whenever that beginning was is when he said it was. Right. Right. And because God is outside of time and time is a gift that he gave to man, he resides outside of time. Mm -hmm. So whenever he started, the clock is on him, mm -hmm. not on us. Mm -hmm. We try to carbon date and be like, well, this many years ago and that much time ago and all sort of things. And all those things very, very well may be true. Mm -hmm. But the author of that is the one who gave us the ability to measure time in the fashion that we measure it. Mm. He doesn't have that same measuring stick. So in order for us to attribute, we attribute man's philosophical and scientific ideologies onto God because we are governed by time. God is not governed by time. So it would be useless and, and fruitless for me to ascribe time to a timeless being. Mm. So whether I say a billion years old or whether I say millions of years old, that's fine for me as a human being because I'm governed by time. Mm -hmm. And time is linear in my world. But to God, God, time is not linear. It is a gift given to us. <laughs> and we are our only job with time is to redeem the time as he tells us to do. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But for us to ascribe time to an ancient to the ancient of days, mm -hmm. to ascribe time to a timeless being is 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 fruitless that's that doesn't make any sense to me so yes i do ascribe to when god saying in the beginning the only thing that i would say is that there was adam's creation mm -hmm. and then there was the existence of whatever god had on the earth and ever had in that realm before adam's creation mm -hmm. that's that's the reconciliation of dinosaurs and all of those sort of things that were not in adam's creation mm -hmm. They were some large Leviathan types of animals and creations in his creation, but there were periods of time before that. Because when the earth was without form and void, that particular period of time is, and, and just kind of looking at it from the standpoint, I'm gonna to go to a place that, that may be interesting for some people, is that the earth became void and without form that was not the original state of what it was mm -hmm. and so when you look at the original creation period of time mm -hmm. when he created what he created for adam's creation mm -hmm. that was for the existence and the sustainability of life mm -hmm. for us yeah that was not the same for the periods that were before that that would be the only thing that i would say about that wow That's and i dope. so i do subscribe to in the beginning yeah as god being outside of time and have the authority and the ability and the capacity to do something that existed before time. Word. So let's let's get into the meaning of you know how do you how do you summarize the meaning of life when it comes to you know the Hebrew Israelite you know mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say construct but like religion or worldview you know yeah, yeah. Um, is it is it just based upon following the Torah, mm -hmm. where does Jesus play a role in your meaning of life? What's the mm -hmm. overall essence of what we're supposed to be following as a Hebrew Israelite? Yeah, that is that is excellent. Um, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, mm. his commandments, mm -hmm. keeping his commandments, following his commandments, um, but not because of religious ceremony. The key thing for every person who understands who God is, um, and just by the way, for clarity's sake, when mm -hmm. I'm talking about God now, whether you you know refer to his name that he got from his father, which is Jesus, mm -hmm. or whether you say Yahweh, which was his name before, um, we've never dealt with any other God. Mm. And so because we've never dealt with any other God, 
we've only dealt with Jesus. We've only had interactions with him. That portion of what he gave in the Torah was him. He was putting in place what represented him. When he came on the scene in the flesh, he says, search the scriptures. In them you think you have everlasting life, but they are they which testify of me. So if that's in fact the case, the principles that God put in his commandments were not just for ceremony, but they were for pointing to the future for him as a schoolmaster. So when he says, I'm the Passover, when he says, keep my Passover, Jesus is the Passover lamb. When he says, keep the uh, feast of unleavened bread, he's like, I'm the one who's the fruit out of the ground without sin. Mm. When he says Pentecost, you keep the day of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, it's like that's me that's going to gather you together. Mm-hmm. When he says keep the, the, the Feast of Trumpets or the, or the celebration of trumpets, that's him announcing his return. Mm. When he says tabernacles, that's him. All of those things point to him. So we're not doing them when he says keep my Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He's talking about his day of rest that he's going to give to those who inherit the first resurrection. So all of those things have purpose. All of those things have reason behind them. Mm -hmm. So the whole life, when you say, what is it about the Hebrew Israelite? It is to understand that that all points to the Messiah and that it is all purposeful to remind us and keep us in mind with what he ordained for us from the beginning of time. Mm. So, um, I, I was talking to a brother, and he said that he said that it's problematic to him mm-hmm. when people say they follow the Torah, mm-hmm. but they also follow Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Because he said when you start following Jesus, mm-hmm. then that's when things get very problematic. Mm. He said that when you put Jesus into things. People use Jesus as a moving target Mm. so that whatever, you know, open ended, you know, whatever thing that can be kind of hard to interpret. (laughs) Yep. Insert Jesus. Right. And he fits. (laughs) What would you say to that? Uh, You know what? I would say to that that we have done in those instances when people feel that way, that they've made the same error that the Pharisees made when they didn't identify Jesus when he appeared in the flesh. Mm because the scripture spoke of him in the in the in the Torah in the Old Testament yeah. that they failed to identify who he is mm. and that the modern day Christians who do what he just described they also do so in error mm. because they also fail to understand who he is mm. so let me read something to you out of Isaiah 48 okay um, and I'm reading Isaiah 48 and 12 he says and, and I could go into much detail about this but I want I'm going to read this passage of scripture and we can go even further and dialogue about it but Isaiah 48 and 12 Hearken unto me O Jacob and Israel my called I am he I am the first I also am the last Now most people would only read that in the book of Revelation mm-hmm. where Jesus comes back and he says I'm the first and I'm the last mm-hmm. Why is he saying he's the first and he's the last It's cuz he's the only God we've ever known we won't know the Father until we're changed. Mm. Jesus is the only one. The Father doesn't deal with sin. He <laughs> won't. He refuses to be anywhere around sin. The right. Father is like, if you, if the sin inhabits the Father, he's going to destroy the sin and you along with it. Mm. So Jesus has always been our intercessor. So here we go. He says, 
I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. Verse 13, mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. That's an amazing thing, because whoever this is, is a powerful person. Mm -hmm. Whoever this is said that his hand laid the foundation of the earth. So we got to find out who this is. Mm. So we keep reading verse 14. All ye assemble yourselves and hear which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon and his arm shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I have spoken. Yeah, I have called him. I have brought him and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. Mm. From the time that it was, there am I. Now, closely what he says next. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Wait a minute. Whoever this is talking was sent. Mm. This is not Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah didn't land. He didn't span the heavens. <laughs> he didn't lay the foundations of the earth. This is Jesus speaking through his prophet Isaiah. Mm. And he says he was sent. Now, we could go into scripture in John chapter 6, and he says, I was sent to do the will of my father. Mm. I didn't come to do mine own will, yeah. but of him, the who will of him me. who sent me. Woo. So the one who was sent here is Jesus. Now, the same to back to your question and the comment that that brother made. Mm -hmm. We make the same error in not identifying Jesus in the Old Testament that the Pharisees made when he came on the scene in the flesh. Okay. They didn't recognize him. Mm. The same way that modern day Christians who say that they follow Christ and use him as a way to absolve their responsibility mm. and say, well, I'm not going to be responsible for that because Jesus is going to take that away. They don't know. They also don't understand that Jesus is the one who gave the commandments. He didn't come on the scene to then take his commandments away. Mm. They missed that. Both groups of those people missed that. So as a Hebrew Israelite, I follow Christ because I realized that Jesus was the name that he took on when he came in the flesh. Mm -hmm. His father gave him that name. He says, I come in the name of my father, but his name was Yahweh before that. But people don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. Just because he comes in the name of his father and his name is Jesus at that time. Or Yeshua. Or Yeshua. The translation. Right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that he's not the same person. He had to use a name that would be made great among the Gentiles. Gentiles speak English. So he gives them a name mm -hmm. that the Gentiles would use. And he says, the greatest name among the Gentiles, my name from the rising of the sun to the going down to the same, mm -hmm. my name shall be made great among the Gentiles. That name that the Gentiles use is Jesus. Mm -hmm. I live in the United States of America. Right. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Arabic. I don't speak any other languages. Mm -hmm. I speak English. The name that was given to men in that tongue is Jesus. Mm -hmm. That doesn't take away or diminish Yeshua, right. and it doesn't take away or diminish, diminish Jehovah or Yahweh. Mm -hmm. It just, I understand who Isaiah is talking about. And I understand who John was talking about when he was baptizing. He said, there's one coming after me whose shoe latchets I am unworthy to latch. Mm -hmm. Both of them were talking about the coming of the Messiah, mm. which is Jesus. I remember when I first kind of connected Jesus to the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it helps when I read this Bible because it kind of like it uses similar wording or different mm -hmm. wording. Mm -hmm. But it's like 
what it uses in the New Testament is the same in the Old Testament. Yes. And um, but also before I read this, mm-hmm. I remember when you know when Jesus said, "Before Abraham was, I am." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Christian pastors use it, mm-hmm. and the church starts shouting at that point. Right. Right. But I don't know if we all really recognize that not just saying that I am the Son of God. Right. Right. But before. Wasn't Yahweh called the great, like, I am? I just read it to you. Yeah, so that... He says, I am. When he says, I am... Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says it, Mm -hmm. but no one has ever connected to say that it's the same Same. person. Absolutely. Not to say that I'm representing I am. Right, right. No, I am. Right, right, right. (laughs) And he's making it very clear. He's like, I am. I am the one that you're dealing with. mm -hmm. You're not dealing with the Father. He goes on to say, no man has seen the Father. John 5 and 37. Mm-hmm. No man has seen the Father and no man has heard his voice. Mm-hmm. He's very clear. He's like, I am the first and I'm the last. Mm-hmm. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. The reason why that is, is from the creation of man in the garden mm-hmm. and to the transformation of man when he returns, you're not going to deal with the Father. The only time you deal with the Father is when you're changed and the Father's kingdom comes in the new Jerusalem. He said, until in that period of time, I'm the only God that you will ever know. Mm. You will not deal with the Father at all. In fact, matter of fact, he tells you, I'm your intercessor. Mm. I sit at the right hand interceding on your behalf. Because if I don't intercede on your behalf, your fight, your prayer ain't getting to the Father. In fact, he says, no man come to the Father unless he gets drawn me. and yeah. through him. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the door to the sheepfold. Anyone who tries or anyone who comes to the Father any other way is both a thief and a robber. Mm-hmm. And we know what happens to thieves and robbers in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So something that you've been preaching on mm-hmm. uh, or, or teaching on, I should mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you know, in Bible study is the, the mind of Christ. Yes. So that's out of Philippians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just read it. And this, mm-hmm. once again, this is from the, the Jewish... How do they break it down exactly? Complete Jewish study Bible. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, chapter two, verse five, it says, let your attitude toward another be governed by uh, your being in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be possessed by force. On the contrary, he emptied himself in that he took the form of a slave by becoming like human beings are. And when he appeared as a human being, he humbled himself still more by becoming obedient, even to death. Yes. Death on a stake as a criminal. Therefore, God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That in honor of the name given Yeshua or Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua, the Messiah, is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. Now, Adonai is used all throughout mm-hmm. right. the Old Testament. Right. That name right. specifically. Yes. Not just yes. Yahweh. Not, because God has a lot of different names right. throughout. Mm-hmm. But when I, I was like, man, Adonai, like that's the exact wording. And I know that like when we, when we're dealing with mm-hmm. scripture mm-hmm. and interpretations, mm-hmm. yeah. it would just say God or right. the Lord. Right. And we kind of take it as, all right, we get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But like, I like how in the Jewish version, they have like specific descriptive names. Yes. And yes. so when I connect, I was like, Adonai, like that's all throughout the Old Testament. Correct. Like, they are saying that this is he. Correct. 
who Correct. said he was back then. Correct. Like, that's crazy. Correct. You know? And Emmanuel, that's why I said earlier why when I study the scripture and talk about the scripture, I talk from a precept upon precept, mm. not a, because the translations, if you don't understand that one passage of scripture says the Lord and he's mm. talking about the Father, mm-hmm. and one passage of scripture says the Lord is talking about Jesus, because in, in when Daniel, uh, or I mean, when David was talking in the Psalms, when he says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at the right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Mm. Well, if the Lord said unto my Lord, well, people would be, well, that's David talking to, no, David's not at the right hand mm. of the Father. Mm-hmm. So if the Lord is talking, said unto my Lord, David is speaking, but that's Jesus's words. Mm. The Lord, the Father, mm-hmm. said unto the Son, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. Wow. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, but if you don't understand precept, you don't know that when he said the Lord said unto my Lord that that's the Father talking to the Son or about what, what the verse son. is that again? That's in Psalms. Um, I'm I'm not a chapter and verse, but no worries. Uh, but I can I can find that and just okay. I'll let you look for that. I wanted to speak on the or wanted to ask you about the whole identity piece. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. Um, some would say. Hebrew Israelites are hanging on to something that they don't need to hang on mm-hmm. to because mm-hmm. some would say, well, what I've heard someone say is, mm-hmm. if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. that's all you need. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew mm-hmm. Israelite piece mm-hmm. isn't necessary mm-hmm. because Jesus came and has done away with mm-hmm. whatever groups that were mm-hmm. separating us mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. We are out. We are all now one in Christ. Right. Right. But um, I want to read this and just a little read and react. For sure. You. Sure. Um. So this is still in Philippians. You probably know where I'm going, which is chapter three. Yep. Um, and it talks about putting confidence in the flesh. Yes. Right. Yep. So what verse do I want to start with? Um, I'll start in verse four. So even though I, ha- I certainly have grounds for putting confidence in such things, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for putting confidence in human qualification and or in the flesh, I have better grounds. Um, verse five: Circumcised or Britmala on the eighth day, by birth, be um, by belonging to the people of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, mm-hmm. in regard to the Torah, a Perush or that's a Pharisee, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In regard to zeal, mm-hmm. a, per, a persecutor of the Messianic community, mm-hmm. in regard to the righteousness demanded by legalism, blameless. But the things that used to be advantages for me. Mm. I have, because of the Messiah, come to consider a disadvantage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not only that, but I consider everything a disadvantage in comparison with the supreme value of knowing the Messiah, uh, Yeshua, as my Lord. It was because of him that I gave up everything and and regarded all as garbage in order to gain the Messiah. Yes, that's awesome. So how do we reconcile Paul or Shaul, however you want to call Mm -hmm, him, mm -hmm. you know, kind of considering his his try all his background mm-hmm. as garbage to gain Christ mm-hmm. or what other um, translations would say as rubbish yes how do we reconcile that that is beautiful that is an awesome question remember Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin court mm-hmm. he was a Pharisee of Pharisees their position in the church in the body, was one of elite status. Mm-hmm. If you were not of that status, you were just less than. It was hierarchical. Okay. Right? 
you had the hierarchy that was set up and if you didn't fit into that hierarchy you were just like a dog mm -hmm. right so Paul in that instance gets an opportunity to say look you guys are putting too much stock in what your title is as a people and I'm going to read something to you that that exemplifies what he's saying okay. he's like that's not it you don't understand when I said earlier why you're called he says what are you called to do don't let your title get in the way of your calling. Mm. My job is to bring these people into a knowledge of Jesus Christ mm. above all things, okay. right? Because I now realize as Paul, when he had that experience and he was blinded and he said, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. Paul didn't understand up until that point that his whole ministry, his whole calling as a Pharisee was as a representative of Jesus Christ, even though he didn't knew, know it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. So now people say, well, we cast down the fact that you don't need to be a Hebrew Israelite just as long as you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. But that would create an issue because when Jesus came on the scene, when he talked to his disciples, he said, go not into the way of the Gentile or into Samaria, but go ye to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why would Jesus Christ say something so decisive why wouldn't he just come on the scene and save everybody? Why wouldn't his teaching just be to everybody? Mm. Why would he only go to the house of Israel and send his disciples to the house of Israel? Mm. Because from the very beginning, he set in order how his priesthood would work and how his teaching would work. Mm. He did not change it. Mm. That's why Paul, even though he's saying, look, I let it all go for the cause of Christ, he's also letting you know that his position is one of authority given by God that he has to retain. But just because Paul also said, I'd rather die and be punished for my brethren. Mm. It's like, I'd rather die and go to hell so that they can be saved. Mm. Paul said a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it was very, very flamboyant. But it doesn't take away the fact of the root and the foundation. So let me read something to you okay. along those lines. Yeah. So I'm in, Galatia, I'm in Romans. And I'm going to start in 2 and 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now that would seem like Paul's trying to absolve the whole Jew, Jew being from the tribe and being from one of these tribes as irrelevant mm -hmm. to the fact that you need to be inwardly circumcised of the heart. But then what he says next exemplifies how Paul thinks and what he's communicating. Chapter 3 verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Mm -hmm. Or what profit is there of circumcision? That's a very good question. Hmm. If I don't, if I'm throwing away my title, then what advantage do I have? What's mm -hmm. my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I have the title of Hebrew Israelite? Mm -hmm. For what purpose? Right. Well, he gives us an answer. Much in every way, but chiefly or primarily, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. What are oracles? Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Unto them, mm -hmm. unto us, were committed the oracles, the mysteries of God. If we're the only ones that God gave the mysteries to, how do other people get them? 
He had to establish. That's why he told his priests, don't go into the way of the Gentiles. Don't go into Samaria because I've given you my mysteries and I need you to give them to everybody else. Mm. I'm the same yesterday and today and forevermore. I'm going to be the one who tells you how to disseminate my word. And I gave it to you. I didn't tell the Passover to the individuals that were other of other nations. Mm. I didn't give that to them. I gave that to you. Mm. So you have to explain the Passover to people that are Gentiles or of another nation. Mm -hmm. If you don't explain it to them, they're not going to get it. So I'm going to put my priesthood in place, and I'm going to commission you to go out into the world and make disciples. So then he says, okay, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make their faith of God without effect? God forbid, yet let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, <laughs> that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome with when thou art judged. He's telling us clearly, I was given this to disseminate to the rest of the people. Now, he was given to the Gentiles, obviously. That was his ministry. Right. But the rest of the disciples were given to those that were disciples, those that were lost sheep, those that had been scattered. Mm -hmm. He needed to bring them back and introduce them to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So while it seems like you asked that question, while it seems like Paul's throwing down his title, mm -hmm. he's not. Mm -hmm. Paul is letting you know that I was given the oracles. The position that I'm in, even though I was a Pharisee, I was of the Sanhedrin court, I still need to communicate the truth, mm. and I'm the only one who was called to do that. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can do it. And when we dropped the ball, Emmanuel, in 70 AD and we were destroyed, and the word of God dropped to the ground, and there became a famine in the land, not a mm. famine for food, but a famine for truth, mm. the Gentiles doing the best that they could picked it up. But as a result, we got Christmas and Easter. And a Sunday resurrection because the Roman church who Paul warned and admonished not to think more highly of themselves than they ought took the gospel and began to interpret God not having any knowledge of the truth and began to disseminate this stuff that we have today into the world and people have completely fallen away from the truth. Mm. Paul didn't throw away his title. So what is the purpose of a Hebrew Israelite is the understanding that God has revealed to us the truth and the mysteries in his scripture. And we're to bring everybody back to that truth. Mm. Dope. That was dope. <laughs> that was perfect. Like that verse is great to highlight that, man. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, man, that's heavy. I'm rocked right there. Like, all right. So let's, let's get into morality. Yeah. yeah. Um, where do you get your sense of morality? What scriptures, you know, what informs your morality as a Hebrew is like? Yeah, um, that, that's a that's a profound question because when I when I called myself a Christian um, earlier in my life, my sense of reality or morality was avoiding evil and doing good. Mm -hmm. Right. Very simple. Sounds, Very simple. Sounds simple. Avoiding evil and doing good. That was my principled way of looking at life. Mm -hmm. But the problem was I didn't have a definitive understanding of what was evil and what was good. Mm. And most Christians battle the same thing. They battle, it's not necessarily the difference between good and evil, but the difference between better and best. Mm. And so the difference between better and best is where people usually lie. <laughs> they have no idea of what's best and they end up choosing what's better, but they don't ever get a true sense of what morality is. So the morality that I now have an understanding of through God's word is, first of all, I'm governed by the royal law, the Ten Commandments. 
that is where the hinging he says upon this these laws do I enter into a covenant with you that's what he told Moses. Mm -hmm. By the tenets of these words, Moses, mm -hmm. have I entered into a covenant with you. So that is what governs me from that perspective. Those are the most basic and the most true ways to live a life, mm -hmm. right? Don't have any other God before him. Honor the Sabbath day. Honor their mother and your father. Don't covet. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Those are the ways that I look at morality. And morality for me is every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's how I look at it. It is very simple. Before that, I would always struggle, Emmanuel, between what was better and what was best. I'd be like, man, should I do this? It seems like it's okay, but I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's clear. It's very, very clear. There's no gray areas in your life. You're like, okay, God says in this, in any particular situation in my life, I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. There's no more gray areas. There's no more, well, I'm not certain. Does God really want me to do this? Does, does God really want me to go this path or that path? No, it's clear. It's what is in his word. That's how I govern the morality in the world. And what's in his word? And are you referring to like all of the 600 and some odd laws that are in the Torah? Is that is that a is that a definite like thing that you would uphold as a Hebrew Israelite that you would strive to uphold? Um, those are governances that God gave unto Moses on how to govern the people. Okay. What what I look at from a Hebrew Israelite and what governs me is mm -hmm. what God says for me to do. When Moses was given the responsibility mm -hmm. of leading people, mm -hmm. he had to give them rules and laws on how to deal with each other, with each other on a day-to-day basis. Word. That is a different aspect of how you govern your morality versus what God commands you to do in his in his Leviticus chapter 23 for example mm. where he talks about the Passover and the and the feast of unleavened bread and mm -hmm. he talks about all those things and understanding what those mean Moses was given a monumental task mm -hmm. of leading over 600,000 people and he had to put interrelational governances in place God gave him that direction for those groups of people mm -hmm. on how to deal with each other, how to deal with disagreements, how to deal with those sort of things. So, yes, I can look at those as governances and say, yeah, those are those are the right ways that we should deal with each other as brothers. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is what I'm looking at is how do I gain the promise that God set out for me? So you would you would gather that from starting in, you said Leviticus, Leviticus 23, Leviticus yeah. 23. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The rest, because Leviticus 23 is the governance that leads to salvation. Mm. So if I'm talking about how do I deal directly with you as an individual, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm dealing with you, there's certain ways that I should treat you. Word. But if there are certain things that I do in our relationship, like I don't follow through on something or I don't I don't follow through on how we govern. Let's say you borrow some money from me or I borrow some money for you mm -hmm. and I don't pay you back and that sort of thing. Is that going to cause me to end up in the lake of fire? So I look at that and I say, okay, that's what Moses was dealing with. Mm. He's like, look, I need to keep you, but you know what it might lead you to do? It might lead you to come to my house and decide that you're going to take it out of my skin, right? Mm. It might lead somebody to kill somebody mm -hmm. over some money. Mm -hmm. But Moses knew that and God told him that, look, this is how you deal with mm. this sort of thing. It's not going to keep you, it's not going to put you in a lake of fire and it will not keep you out of the kingdom. But you know what it will lead to is wrath. 
Yeah. And wrath leads to sin because now you're doing something later. So Moses had to put governances in place, interracial, interpersonal yeah. governances. Yeah. But the what I'm looking at when you say, how do I govern my life is what is going to allow me to inherit what God said I could get if I followed him, which is an inheritance of his kingdom mm -hmm. and to rule and reign with him. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's funny because like when I read the Old Testament and, and the the laws, especially like even the, the Ten Commandments, but other laws as well, mm -hmm. or just other mm -hmm. rules of thumb or, mm -hmm. or mitzvahs, um, it talks about your neighbor yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it got me to thinking that because you try to reconcile, even, let's say from a Christian framework, you try to reconcile do not kill. Right, right. Or do not steal or whatever the case mm -hmm. might be mm -hmm. with God taking the people of Israel, mm -hmm. going to whatever mm -hmm. land, mm -hmm. and killing everyone. Right, right. Men, right. women, and children. Yep, yep, right. And so what part, of, how do how do you reconcile that in the scriptures as far as, um, a lot of people have that knock against Christianity or mm -hmm. religion or mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. That's because, well, it, it, it gave them license to kill and blah, blah, blah. So, you mm -hmm. know, they killed more in God's name than anything mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Now, is it, can it be said that these laws were more about mm -hmm. with each other, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not necessarily mm -hmm. others. It's mm -hmm. like, this is how you deal with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, y'all are family mm -hmm. and extended family. Right. Right. Do not do not um, give false evidence or false witness against your neighbor. Right. Exactly. I think that's the eighth commandment, number mm -hmm. nine or mm -hmm. number ten. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not cover your neighbor's wife. Yes. Do not covet your yes. neighbor's property. Right. Right. Or, or wife, you know what I mean? Or their, yeah, their spouse, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. This is like, inter, like you said, interrelational. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so how do you reconcile the interrelational stuff versus like, is there, let's, let's I'll just go ahead and say, it, is there a just cause mm -hmm. for killing someone? Mm -hmm. That is a profound question. And I don't know if I'm fully qualified to answer <laughs> it, but I'm going to get a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, remember that. When God gave his commandments, he gave them to a group of people so that they could follow them. Right. And ultimately, he included strangers in that. Because mm -hmm. remember, when he gave those commandments, there were strangers with Israel. Because yeah. they had exodus mm -hmm. out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. So when he gave the commandment, he said, this commandment is for you and the stranger that um, sojourns with you. Mm -hmm. So then that commandment then extended to them and everyone in their house. He even told Abraham, look, when you circumcise, circumcise everybody, the stranger with you, mm -hmm. right? The, the extension to the rest of the people and God tells, look, look, when those battles fought and they was fighting those different people and he was telling them, go and kill everybody and don't leave nothing, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, with Joshua and all those sort of things, he's looking at that and he's saying, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not making even an attempt to interpret God. But the piece of it is that individual, the commandments were given to a group of people to adhere to mm -hmm. so that other people could come into a right relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Everyone that got to the point where they were a tribe or a group of people that ended up being in the kind of the battlefield with an Israelite and that battle was destroyed, but it wasn't because they hadn't had a chance to understand what they were supposed to follow. Okay. Then let's think about that. Okay. Because all three sons that got off the ark heard the same testimony from their father Noah. Mm -hmm. All three of them. Mm -hmm. When they began to start, whether it was individuals, the Amalekites, whether the individual that wouldn't let the children of Israel through, 
Are we to say that those individuals were completely ignorant about God and who he was and what he commanded them to do? Absolutely not. These individuals were disobedient tribes who decided that they were going to go in their own way. Mm. And God says, okay, look, those individuals have a chance. God showed mercy in the Old Testament just like he showed mercy in the New Testament. Mm. These people were not ignorant. He didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because those people just were completely clueless. Those people knew what was going on. They had been, they were individuals who knew what they were supposed to be doing, but they were disobedient. So they received the wrath and the mm. just judgment. God is just, and we have to remember that he's just. Fairness and justice are not the same thing. Yeah. If he doesn't punish sin, then he ceases to be just. If he doesn't give individuals an opportunity to know what sin is, he ceases to be just. Mm. So therefore, the knowledge and understanding of what sin is, which is transgression of the law, John 1 and 3, was in the land for all of the people who fought against the children of Israel and died in battle. God is so gracious, Emmanuel, that when he was dying on the cross, people overlooked the fact that he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why would he say that? It's because there is a difference between killing, murder, and manslaughter. Manslaughter caused Jesus Christ to institute cities of refuge. He put cities in refuge in place for the manslayer. The manslayer was somebody who killed somebody on accident. Hmm. And he would say, go to the city of refuge and stay there until the high priest dies and then you'll be absolved of your manslaughter. So Jesus in his infinite wisdom dying on the cross tells his father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you kill somebody on accident, that's manslaughter. That's not murder. Mm. So that means that he was so gracious and so merciful that even at the cross, he was still allowing individuals who would at the end of his death would say, surely this was the son of God to be redeemed. Word. So understanding why would God allow people to be killed and why would God allow people? Because he put it in place from the very beginning that if you just would do what I asked you to do, you will be saved. So because Joshua killed, because David killed, because they were fighting against these individuals, those individuals were not individuals who were not aware of what God had commanded them to do. Mm. And now I now if we were doing a Bible study, I would walk that out with scripture to Word. show you that these tribes and these individuals were descendants and understood what God had commanded on the earth. Mm -hmm. But since we're talking about it, I get to verbalize it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, that's that's dope. That's that's a good. I, I never thought about that. So you said I remember reading about cities of, of refuge. Mm -hmm. Was that only when he was like on the cross? I feel like there was more reference to that. Oh yeah, there's it's all throughout the Old Testament when he talks about Testament. set up yeah. these these seven cities of refuge. So you're referring to what he was doing back in back correct, in that day. correct, because okay, yeah, okay. he the same concept existed. Ex yeah. He says that you have to be able to get away if you kill somebody on accident. Yeah. Then the um, the uh, avenger of blood. Yes. Was coming after you, that. Yes. right? Yes. The avenger of blood is coming after you. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus Christ is the avenger of blood, mm. meaning he's the one. His blood is either going to save you or it's going to condemn you, mm. right? You're either covered by the blood or you're not. And so he's the avenger of blood. So you have to be, he's also the city of refuge. Mm. So he says, okay, again, his blood will condemn you or it will save you. Mm. You're either in the city of refuge or you're not. You're either on the ark or you're not, mm. right? You're either in the place of safety or you're not. Mm. So all of those sort of things point to the same thing. So even to his dying day on the cross, he's, I'm going to give you a chance to get into the city of refuge. Mm. I'm going to give you a chance to accept me. Father, 
Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They killed me. I'm being crucified. I'm dying. But I'm dying for that sin as well as the rest of them. Mm. All right. Sharp left turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to see if we have an understand, if I have an understanding. Mm-hmm. So as a Hebrew Israelite, mm-hmm. we are to follow, uh, of course, the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the Levitical laws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which start in Leviticus twenty three. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so I need to read that. Well, the Passover starts sooner, of course, okay. with the Exodus. Exodus, yeah. but it's it's emphasized again, obviously. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so those that are not Hebrew Israelites mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we are supposed to be helping. I mean, we're supposed to you know reach out our reach out to our people first, but yep. also yep. just like Paul did, mm-hmm. reach out to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So if those that are grafted in, mm-hmm. are they to be taught? the Levitical laws and to follow that or what's the alternative to that? Yeah, that's a powerful question and there's a lot of, lot of heated fellowship around that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because people would say that Paul taught the Gentiles something different. Um, mm-hmm. Scripture does not uh, bear that out. Okay. Um, when Paul is teaching the Gentiles um, and he says he makes statements like don't let any man contem- condemn you on keeping any kind of day. Right. Mm-hmm. People will say, well, see, Paul said you don't have to keep those days. Keep this, yeah. But why would you why do people obviously take or immediately take that disposition? How come it couldn't be that Paul was telling them that if you decide to keep the Passover and people are ridiculing you for keeping the Passover and keeping the Sabbath day that don't let them ridicule you for that? Right. So people automatically take the disposition that he's telling them that you don't have to keep the Sabbath day and you don't have to keep the Passover and you don't have to keep the Feast of Weeks. Mm -hmm. But how come it couldn't be the other? How come it couldn't be that Paul is telling them when you decide to keep the Sabbath day and you decide to keep the Passover, don't let anybody condemn you for keeping those. Mm. That is more in alignment with Paul teaches Mm -hmm. because Paul kept the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. Paul kept the Passover. Paul said throughout the book of Acts, I must keep this feast. I must get to these different places. I have to keep the Passover. I have to. So Paul kept them. Why would he teach them something different than what he was doing? Mm. That would be hypocritical, right? Yeah. So the teaching of Paul is more in alignment with them, him teaching them to keep it than not. It's just that because we have a westernized view of scripture, we immediately go to the Roman view, which is, oh, I don't have to keep those days. And so Paul had to be teaching that if I'm being ridiculed, well, I could ridicule you for not keeping the day as much as I kept ridicule you for keeping it. Right. If you say I'm a Sabbath keeper, well, I could ridicule you. It's like, well, you don't have to keep that old Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. But if you were a Sabbath keeper or if you were not a Sabbath keeper, I could also say, well, why aren't you keeping the Sabbath day? <laughs> right. Yeah. Why would people take the first mm. as the initial position of Paul? Like you don't have to keep the Sabbath day. Why would you automatically bend to that rather than him teaching the truth of Scripture? And I'll read something in Galatians chapter um, uh, chapter three. Um, I just pulled up Galatians. I know it's something in Galatians yeah. that talks about that. <laughs> yeah, it it absolutely does. Um, Galatians three, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read verse twenty-seven. Mm. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye all are one in Christ Jesus. 
And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the interesting thing about that is, again, disposition. Why would you assume or why would anyone assume that what Paul is telling the Galatians that you don't have to worry about what you are, that you can do whatever you want as long as you're in Christ? Because that's what it appears to be, right? Well, I can do whatever I want. Because like you're, you're the brother that you said you talked to who said that Christ seems to be a problem for him and for other people because they use Christ as a get-out-of-jail-free card and they can just do whatever they want as long as they're in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why would you not read that passage of Scripture and understand that what Paul is saying is it doesn't matter what you are, you are still supposed to keep the commandments, mm-hmm. whether you're Jew or Greek, yeah. whether you're bond or free, mm-hmm. whether you're male or female. You are all governed under the same commandment. Mm. Why would your disposition change? And so when Paul, if you read all of Paul's writings, he never gets away from teaching the law. In fact, he told the Romans that they should keep the law and that the law was spiritual and that the law was holy. We have a mindset that has taken us away from the truth of scripture and we have a disposition that says as long as I'm in Christ I can do whatever I want and Christ is going to just absolve me from all of my personal responsibility <laughs> right Jesus take the will I have no responsibility in this matter you're going to save me in spite of myself yeah that's not the case because he comes back and he says I'm going to judge every man according to his works so Jesus is the judge mm. he says the father has left all judgment to the son. So why would we think that Jesus, when he comes back, is going to say, well, you know what? It's okay. I know you didn't do what I said. I know you didn't follow me. I know you didn't keep my commandments, but it's all right. In fact, scripture says, in fact, it says the opposite. It says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Mm. So that seems to be more in alignment with what Jesus is saying. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Why would Paul teach something different than that? He's not. It's our mindset that we look at that passage of scripture and say, oh, he's saying, well, see, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there's no female, there's none of that. But what he's telling you is that it doesn't matter what you are, you better be keeping God's commandments. doesn't matter what you're doing, you better be keeping his days. Mm. That's how Paul writes. And Peter says Paul's writing is hard to understand. Those that twist his writings do so at their own peril, their own mm. destruction. Mm. That's how I would respond to that. That's dope. That's heavy. Um, I hate that I didn't tackle this a little bit deeper, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to wrap this up. Okay, but it's but just for this, I want to mm-hmm. respect your time. I don't mm-hmm. know what else you got going on today because I can go. I'm good. I'm good. I'm <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I want to dial it back. We've mm-hmm. gotten so far, but I do want to dial it mm-hmm. back to. I don't think I fully we fully concluded the the Israelite piece yes. of yes. us yes. being Israelites. Yes. 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 So I kind of touched on it. Yep. We touched on Deuteronomy 28 yep. Yep. about the prophecy. Yep. Yep. Um, but let's get into uh, the, the physical part of this. Yep. So yep. Mm-hmm. 70 AD, yep. you know, Titus came. It was Titus, right? Titus, yeah. Came through. Yep. And then the the Israelites were dispersed. Yes. All right. So how do we go from 70 AD to you know, 1500 years, 14, 1500 years mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. and we end up on the west coast of Africa. Yes, yes. And then yes. we get, how is it that it's just 
us mm-hmm. that got extracted from Africa mm-hmm. and not just any of the hundreds of millions of Africans that inhabited the land. Correct. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so as you alluded to, when when uh, Vespasian was released and discharged to go and deal with these um, um, disobedient, rebellious Israelites in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. he was governed by Nero, mm-hmm. as we know. Nero was the emperor at that time of Rome. Vespasian was his military leader, and Titus was his son. So when Vespasian was on his way to deal with these insurgents, he saw that Nero was ill. I mean, this is his recorded history, right? This is not just Bible. This is recorded history. Mm-hmm. So he decides to go back to to uh, Rome to make his play at becoming emperor. Well, we know he was ultimately successful, but in the time, he sent his son Titus. History records that they went into Jerusalem and besieged the city. In fact, they prophetically did everything that Jesus said that they would do in Matthew chapter 24. They built a moat around the city because people were sneaking in and out of the city. History bears this out, that they were sneaking food out of the city and into the city because what's the purpose of a siege, a besieged city? is to starve people to death, right? Mm. So that was the whole purpose. So they build a moat so people can't sneak in and out. Remember, Jerusalem was a fortified city. We're not talking about some, you know, some small place. This, the temple, the city, it was a wall. I mean, this place was enormous. Mm. So it was no small feat. A wall that Trump would be envious of. Oh, he would be envious of this one. He was like, man, if I could get one like that, we can keep everybody out. Right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said it's, that. Yeah, right. It's the truth. It's the truth. Whatever they did, Jerusalem was able to build that wall. That wall was prophetic, though, because that wall basically spoke to what Jesus was going to do spiritually when he returns. There's going to be a wall around the city. It's not going to be a physical wall, but it's going to be a wall that he puts around the city when when Gog and Magog try to come and deal with it. But that's another story. So as they come in, um, they ultimately were crucifying up to a thousand people a day. When they finally besiege the city and they break through, they're crucifying people a thousand like thousands a day. Mm-hmm. In fact, to the extent that the Roman execution process of, of crucifixion, Jesus was not clearly not the first person to be crucified, right. and he wasn't the last, right? Yeah. So from there, the history books tell us that those Hebrews, those Israelites, were dispersed throughout the Mediterranean world. Mm-hmm. The Mediterranean world is obviously northern Africa, where you what we call Africa today. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that, you're like, okay, but it was the Greco-Roman Empire at that time. Alexander the Great, because the Romans appreciated Greece history, that's why it's called Greco-Roman, mm-hmm. because they they liked the the philosophy and the philosophers of Greece, but they liked their military and political position. Mm-hmm. So it was referred to as a Greco-Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, You have to think when those individuals who escaped, they didn't kill and capture everyone. When those individuals left uh, Jerusalem, they had to get outside of the province of Rome. Mm -hmm. Well, if Alexandria, which was the capital of Egypt at that time, Mm -hmm. was a Roman province, we know that Israelites could not have gone into Egypt because they would have just been captured. Mm. In fact, some of the history books, and I would have to, I'm going to, I, I hesitate to quote it because I can't remember which one of my texts it's in, but it says that 
the Romans had a hard time distinguishing between the Israelites and the Ethiopians mm -hmm. when they were besieging the city. They couldn't mm -hmm. tell the difference. Well, we know what Ethiopians look like. Yeah. Ethiopians have never, there's never been a question of what Ethiopians look like. Yeah. You can question what Egyptians might look like. I mean, <laughs> they don't look like their artifacts today, Word. but you can't question what Ethiopians look like, mm -hmm. right? So in that regard, so they leave Jerusalem. History bears out, and you would have to do your study on African history to understand what happens next. Mm. In order for those Israelites to get outside of the Roman provinces, what is the only area that the Roman provinces did not go into as a military fighting battalion? In the middle, right? In the middle, the Congo. Mm. All that middle portion where what we refer to today as the Bantu tribes, the, the, the Bantus, the ones that migrated from the eastern part of Africa to the western part of Africa. Those tribes that where we were included migrated over that period of time. Now here's the thing. Did we intermingle and intermarry and have children with the individuals that were in that group? In the, absolutely. There's no question about it. But we did not lose our identifier, our unique identifiers of how we behaved. Mm. We were still governed by what we ate, how we celebrated, what days we kept, which was a very distinct um, identity between those individuals who were on the continent when we got there and our people. Mm. That never changed. Some people went off and started worshiping idol gods and this sort of thing, but for the large part, our people were distinctive. Mm. So. And I'm just going to accelerate this. So as we travel across Africa in this tribal, natural tribal migration patterns to the west coast of Africa, being drawn to those bodies of water, naturally, you end up on the west coast of Africa. Here's what you find. You find individuals who are practicing Israelites, practicing Hebrews. If you're an African tribe, and you are going to, people always say, well, Africans were selling Africans. It's a common comment by racists. Mm -hmm. Africans selling Africans. No. What you had were Africans selling Israelites because it was easy to distinguish. Those warring factions between tribes, mm -hmm. why would you sell your own people? They weren't selling their own people. They were selling people that were different from them. Mm. And how do you distinguish? If I look like you, how do I distinguish the difference between you and me? We got the same complexion. We look alike. We could be brothers. It's behavior. You're doing something different. You're behaving different. We don't have the same type of religion. We don't have the same type of ceremonies that we practice. You don't eat the same stuff that I do. You don't live the same way that I live. You govern differently. You trade differently. Your interactions with each other is all different. So when it comes time when those Europeans, those conquistadors, end up on the west coast of Africa and they say, we'll give you $100 a head, hmm. which seems like a lot of money for those tribes, who is the first people I'm going to go after? Who are the first people that I'm going to try to identify and sell? The foreigners. The foreigners, the individuals that are different. Now, I come to this not because of speculation. Okay. But because of years and years of studying African history, I have anthologies on African culture, mm -hmm. on African history. I study the diaspora. My library consists of a lot of these books and the distinctions between those individuals. And then it leads me all the way up into groups like the Falashas, 
the individuals that are there now today, to this yeah, day. That's, active, that are, that's an active group. That's an active group. Yeah. I also understand that when the Muslims came on the scene and they just started destroying the libraries and destroying the history, and they was telling these people convert or die, mm-hmm. they were telling Israelites, individuals, that if you continue down that path, you're gonna, we're going to kill you. We're going to behead you. We're going to burn you at the stake. So many of us converted mm-hmm. to Islam, mm-hmm. not even knowing that... We're in a lot of them today because we're so far away from it. Don't even know that that's their origin, that mm-hmm. that that's their history. Mm-hmm. So those individuals who end up on those slave ships goes to me in scripture goes back to Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. That's the diaspora. That's what Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight is saying. I'm going to take you back into bondage to a people that you've never known mm-hmm. with fierce countenance, and they're going to sell you as bondmen and bondwomen. You're going to build houses and not live on them. Mm-hmm. You're going to grow crops, and you're not going to be able to eat it. You're going to long for your children, and you won't be able to have them. So the ones that were getting sold mm-hmm. um, and shipped out, mm-hmm. did they, in your studies, mm-hmm. did they know that they were Israelites? I think, well, let me let me rephrase that. Many of them did. Okay. Because when they came here, there's people that came to the west, the east coast of the United States of America, mm-hmm. or the 13 colonies, and understood who they were. There were many who didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand that they were Hebrew Israelites because they didn't even know how to pray at that time. They didn't understand how to get themselves out of this this 400 years of servitude that was coming, mm-hmm. 400 years plus. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand that. So when they, if they understood that, then the history would bear out that they would have been more um, resistant to adopting the Christianity of the West. Mm-hmm. We would not have come so far away from the truth, right? Because mm-hmm. once they were told that this is Jesus's, this is God's command that you serve me. You're in this condition because God gave me dominion over you, Mm -hmm. right? That see God ordained me to be your master and that you're to obey your masters, right? We had that psychology and that pathology that caused us to be docile, Mm -hmm. to not to be insurgent, not to be rebellious. Mm -hmm. So we end up, so clearly we could not have had that understanding of who we were because mm-hmm. if we did we would have been a little bit more resistant maybe not a little or a lot more or but but also if it, if it said in Deuteronomy that you know this will be like this will be uh, what does it say these these curses will be on you and your and your descendants as a sign and a wonder forever mm-hmm. maybe they feel like that was their rightful position potentially the, well now there is no question that there are Europeans who knew that, who understood Someone that. saying the slaves that when they're getting taught that, like, what well, is I'm supposed to be here because... Oh, you know what, though? The challenge with that is that the word of God had fallen to the ground long before that. Mm. So, so they weren't even... No. Because so, remember, why was Jerusalem destroyed in the first place? Yeah. Because of disobedience, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So, and and long before that diaspora, the word of God had dropped to the ground and people stopped Worshiping and 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 honoring God the way they were supposed They're to. They're very far from it. They were. We were already far from it. Okay. And then think you like you said, fifteen hundred years, mm-hmm. you know, later. How much opportunity did you have to continue to be that way? And now you cohabitate with another group of people, mm-hmm. and now your belief systems are even further away. Mm-hmm. And if I were to point to anything that would exemplify that, I would like look at our condition today. Look at where how we think today. We 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 fought for integration. We fought to be validated by our 
oppressor. Hmm. We fought for that right. Hmm. We marched, bled, and died for the right to be integrated into their society so we could be validated. Look at what we celebrate today. We celebrate, well, who was the first person to go to Harvard? We celebrate, oh, that was the first black person to ever go to Harvard. That, 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 that's, a, that's a thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The first black person to win a Grammy, right? The first one to win an American Music Award. We celebrate those things as though those things are what validate us. We get mad about that stuff. Right, we get, we fight. That old hashtag Oscar so white. Yeah, and all this yeah. Stuff. Like, Jada what? and Will was like, we demand, we're just as talented, we demand to be treated equally like you. I mean, think about the pathology behind it's, that. To me, I, I, just, I, I never, under, even before I started style, I've never understood that. Like, mm-hmm. why are we fighting so hard mm-hmm. To be like for their stuff. Yeah. It'll be like, right. you know, not, it was like some magazine, like Sexiest Man Alive. It mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like some country singer, all mm-hmm. these black women. Are you serious? Etrice Elba living in the, in the world and you gonna put this man right. on? It's right. just like, this right. is their stuff. Yeah. Why are you getting mad at them? Right. And calling them, like, this is, this, that's made for them. It is. It's not made. We have our own magazines. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we and have we, our own show. Right. We have a BET right. on. Right. Like, we have right. all this stuff. Right. So that goes back to the same thing about the exodus out of Jerusalem and the diaspora that comes along with that. Well, you adopt the the ideologies of the conqueror. Mm. And so when we came out of that, you say, well, why wouldn't we have? Well, it's because we adopted the ideologies of our conqueror. Mm. They told us that that's what God says in his word. And we believed it because it had fallen to the ground. He said, I'm going to send a famine in the land. Mm-hmm. I'm going to close the eyes of the individuals that would be your leaders. And the pastors are going to be, they're going to be drunk with wine. That Mm. wasn't wine, alcohol. It was doctrine. Mm. And he says, you're not going to be able to understand anything that I'm telling you. Hmm. So what about just a little bit of a a rebuttal to, um, you know, it was us that got brought over Mm -hmm. as Israelites. Mm -hmm. What about 1804, Haiti? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, when they defeated Napoleon and Mm -hmm. them, they weren't practicing no, Mm-mm. you know what I mean? Nothing Mm-mm. from the Bible Mm-mm. or from, you know, the Torah. Mm-mm. Right. They were practicing voodoo. Yes. From Africa. Absolutely. And so, and not to say voodoo is bad. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know mm-hmm. anything about it. Mm-hmm. But they practiced it mm-hmm. and because that's what they did Correct. back home. Right. So if they were doing that then, some would say, well, they, they weren't Israelites. They were whatever tribe, Fulani, whoever they were, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then they came over here. So. Mm-hmm. Whoever said we are Israelites, mm-hmm. we wouldn't even practice in that. Well, I would, I would, I would rebut this way. Was well, does that mean Ahab and Jezebel weren't Israelites mm-hmm. because they served Baal? Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality of it is, is just because someone serves an idol god or a separate god, and like I'm not going to speak about you know the voodoo, but I know that the voodoo aspect is not the commandments that are in here, Word. right? So I can make that distinction. I'm not going to speak to it because I'm not informed about it, yeah. but I will say it's not what's prescribed for Israelites. No, no more than serving Baal is prescribed for Israelites. Mm. So my understanding of who's an Israelite is not distinct on who they serve and who they don't serve okay. because we have always served other gods, mm. right? Yeah. So Israelites have been known for going about other gods. He was like, you know what? You've spent your whole existence going after other gods. The That's first true. thing that that we did when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments was to create another god. <laughs> and that was given to us by our priest, Aaron. 
He was like, take the earrings out of your nose and then out of your ears make and make this calf. And yeah. this be the God that brought us out. So you mean to tell me that my God was in my nose the whole time? Mm. I mean, that's how we can't <laughs> think about that. So, I mean, the reality of it is we've always gone after God. So I look at Haiti is just the same. I mean, you know what? We've always been a powerful people. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. We've mm-hmm. always been able to battle and to fight. Yeah. I'm not surprised at Haiti's accomplishment, but look at Haiti today. Mm-hmm. Has, Haiti, has Haiti supersede the judgment? Have they well, some, out some of, would say they're just being punished by the white supremacists. No one's going to do business with them. Right. Well, wouldn't that be scriptural? Because the Bible says we're living in the times of the Gentiles mm. and that he's not coming back until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Mm. Well, if you subscribe to this, what I said when we first started is who's a Gentile, mm-hmm. then Gentiles are white folks, yeah. Europeans. Yeah. They're the ones who are ruling the world right now, whether it be Russia or whether it be the United States of America and, and, and Emperor Trump. I mean, no matter how you look at it, that's what's ruling the world right now. So um, God gave all of his sons an opportunity to rule. Mm. I mean, at one point, Egypt was the authority mm. on the earth. Hamites ruled well. Yes. Right? Yeah. So the Persians ruled, which were, you know, the descendants of Shem. Right. They ruled. The Persians ruled the world. The Persian Empire was one of the mightiest empires to exist. So every one of those sons that got off the ark ruled at one point in time. The Babylonian Empire rulership. So when you look at that, we'll say, well, when was when was Japheth's turn to rule? Right now. Right now. Mm. So therefore, Haiti is just an extension of what we understand to be the times of the Gentiles. Mm. But God always has a remnant. He always has a way to prescribe a solution. And he says, okay, I'm going to show you how to survive and not just survive, how to flourish when in captivity. And he gives you Daniel. It's like Daniel lived his entire life. People are like, well, Daniel was in the lion den. You know, that was that was the miracle. Daniel survived the lion's den mm-hmm. and his friends was in the fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. Those two moments in time do not signify the magnitude of what Daniel did by the power of God. Mm-hmm. The real miracle of Daniel is that he spent his entire life in Babylon. Mm-hmm. His entire adult life was in Babylon under the rulership of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. That's the real miracle around idols around blasphemies, around all these things that would take him away from his God. But he did not subscribe. Mm -hmm. And he kept the commandments of his God the entire time. And what happened to Daniel? He became second in command. Mm -hmm. And so much so that the magi, the soothsayers, the magicians hated him because he was the one who could interpret dreams. Mm -hmm. And they didn't like that. Mm -hmm. No one else could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Matter of fact, they couldn't even tell him what it was. Mm -hmm. So he tells us the solution to living in captivity. He says, keep my commandments and I will exalt you. I will be the one. Don't seek after what the Gentiles do, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll add all this stuff to you. But don't go after this stuff because all of that is what the Gentiles seek. And so the pathology, what you just described, is we've been chasing their stuff for a long time. Mm. And it's not that there's, it's not that it's bad. It's this, that's not what our call is. Mm. Our call is different. And if we would just humble ourselves, pray turn from our wicked ways and seek his face, then he will heal the land. Mm. So is there any, and this is something I've been conflicted with just Mm -hmm. because of what I've been learning and reading a lot. um, And also what I'm passionate about because Mm -hmm. of the things that I see what's going on in this world. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a large place for us as um, Hebrew Israelites, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, 
to, you know, is there a certain role that we're supposed to have or stance when it comes to thinking, speaking, and acting against white supremacy of what we see and you know what's what's going on around the world with mm-hmm. anyone who is not white yeah. is being subjected to white yes. leadership, rulership, whatever. Yes. And so yes. we're on the bottom. Yep. They're on the top. Yep. All the laws that are made are yep. you know made for them to yep. protect them mm-hmm. and we are considered throwaway people, we're less than them and all that. Like what do we is there something that we do to speak against that evil while we're here on earth mm-hmm. uh, that we can do specifically or mm-hmm. is it just just keep the commandments and all that will just take care of itself. No, I, I, um, that is absolutely profound. And I'll say this because James said, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. Okay. And I, and there is a voice, there is a word for our people. I don't know. Well, let me put it this way. The word is twofold. First, there is a word and a voice to our people directly. Mm -hmm. And that word is a word of understanding. Mm -hmm. That word is a word of knowledge so that we can understand what we're dealing with. See, Daniel was able to talk to his brethren when they were taken into captivity. And he was able to tell them how they were going to survive. They agreed together that they would go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, look, we need to eat our own food. We realize that this is not our land. Mm -hmm. But that was a place of knowledge and agreement. So our job then, the first voice, is to talk to us to talk to the Hebrew Israelites, whether they know they're Hebrew Israelites or not. Our job is to speak to us, to the young men and young women and say, look, you are in a place where you are subject to the oppression of the individuals who have the ruling authority and they will kill you and do anything possible to maintain that position. Be wise as a serpent and be harmless as a dove. That's the voice to those people, to our people. Okay. Okay. Then there's another voice to the white supremacists. There's another voice to those individuals who don't understand fully. Because I am, there are people, I think there's a small faction of people who understand. Because you asked me earlier, and I said that there's people who understand. um, And they do it because they are white supremacists because they just are going to be that way and they want to hold on to their authority mm-hmm. and then there's the people who are ignorant. Mm-hmm. I think that there's much more many more people that are ignorant mm-hmm. than people that are knowledgeable. Okay. Okay. Now here's where I would say how we address them. The enemy is crafty. Mm-hmm. He has two different methods for two different groups of people. For our people, it's blindness of who we are. Mm-hmm. He wants to strip of strip us of our identity and keep us from understanding who we are so that we can continue to fall into perpetual backslidden state, so that we constantly are backsliding. Because if you are a Hebrew Israelite, you are the only one that can backslide because the law was not given to anybody else. Mm. So Gentiles can't backslide because they didn't get the law. Mm. So he says, you are the backslide. So when he says, I'm married to the backslider, that means I'm married to the Israelite because that's who I gave my commandment to you. Mm. And for these tenets of these words, have I entered into a covenant with you? So that's the married to the backslider. Mm. Okay, so the enemy comes to us and he wants to keep us backsliding. He wants to keep us ignorant of who we are. So we continue to transgress the law and we continue to stay in our state of hell because hell is a state of condition. The lake of fire is the destination, mm-hmm. but hell is a state of condition. So he has us in hell. Mm. It's hell when you can't pay your bills. <laughs> it's hell, when, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's hell when the police is following you and mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's hell. That's mm-hmm. a state of condition. So he's got us wrapped up. The enemy has us wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. He has a different approach 
to the white supremacist and white people in general. Mm-hmm. It's a superiority as issue. Mm-hmm. It's a manifest destiny issue. Mm-hmm. It's a let me help you because I'm greater than you issue. Even in the faith, they feel like, well, let me teach you. Mm-hmm. We got all the seminaries. We got all the schools. Unless you come to my seminary, you can't be a pastor. You can't be a theologian because you haven't gone to Oral Roberts. You haven't gone to, right? Mm-hmm. They that's They're dealing with that. And the enemy is crafty because he set that institution up that way. And unless you come through them, you cannot be validated as a man or woman of God. So now he's got them thinking that they are the superior individuals. That's how he attacks them. So our job then, two voices again, our job to them is to get them the truth so that they understand the enemy's attack and assault on them is one of superiority, the pride of life. Mm -hmm. So he's attacking them by saying, oh, you deserve this. You look at what you've been able to accomplish. Look at what you've done in the world, no matter how you've done it. And he's got that into their mind and into their psyche, and it's evil because now they've exalted themselves. Look at the church. Who's the ruling church in the world? The Roman church, the church that Paul admonished constantly. It's like, I'm a Hebrew Israelite. I exalt my office. Look who's teaching you. I'm teaching you, and I'm an Israelite. But the enemy has done a great job of getting them to believe the way that they believe and us to believe the way that we believe. Mm. But it's double for us because he says, I'm going to give you twice. I'm going to give Isaiah chapter 28. I'm going to give you twice the punishment. So the punishment one is that you don't know who you are. Mm. The punishment two is that it's pathological because you want to be them. Mm. They don't want to be us. Mm. But the enemy is wise enough to say, well, they don't need to be us because I've given them a superiority complex. And now I'm going to attack them from that place. And guess what? He says, I'm going to put both of y'all in the lake of fire, just with different methods. Mm. So those are the two voices to racism and to the white supremacists that need to be in the world. Mm. When does the curse stop? When Jesus returns. Unfortunately, he gave us so many, when you read through all the prophets, he gave us so many chances. Mm. He says, look, I... I'm not going to turn away from this wrath. That's why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. That's why he said, go not into the way of the Gentile, but go to you to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because I need to restore them back. Now, let me specify. You said, when does the curse end? Mm-hmm. The judgment, the judgment that is upon us can end for you and I individually by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Mm-hmm understanding who he is Mm. and what he's asked us to do. That does not absolve us of the fact that we're going to inherit the United States of America, Mm -hmm. right? We're not going to all of a sudden flip over and be the ruling body in this country. The judgment for that doesn't change until Jesus comes back. Okay. When the last will be first and the first will be last. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's that part of it. But he says, if you want to get out of this issue that you're dealing with as an individual or as a body, then seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, and then he will then provide you like he did for Daniel. Mm-hmm. Like he told Daniel, look, I'm not, he didn't take Daniel out of Babylon. Mm-hmm. He just allowed Daniel to be successful in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing he's saying. Like, I'm not going to pull you out. The judgment is what it is. I will cease to be just if I do it a different way because I've already prophesied on how it's going to happen. And I'm not going to change. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Mm -hmm. So that portion of the judgment is not going to change. 
but you can get yourself and the people out of it by waking them up mm. to who they are and what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. so that we're not dying at the hand of a gunshot from a police officer so that we're not imprisoned for for crimes that are are that we one we didn't commit or two that the sentence certainly doesn't fit mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we can get out of that part mm-hmm. but we're going to be in the United States of America Mm-hmm. I'm a U.S. citizen, just like Paul was a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. But I was under, he, Paul was under Roman rule. When the first thing that Jesus, when they came, when the disciples came to Jesus and he was walking, they said to him those profound, immortal words, will you now restore Jerusalem mm-hmm. back to its original state? Mm-hmm. And he said, it is not for you to know the day or the hour, but it's only to the Father. So that's the way I see that question, Emmanuel, is Mm. will God now restore Jerusalem? Well, he's told us when he's going to restore Jerusalem, and that's when Jesus returns. Mm. Speaking of Jesus returning, what's the, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the, we've been long on the the four (laughs) components of the worldview, but every bit of this is necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, You touched origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what did, what do you believe as the destiny, uh, the death, afterlife, reincarnation? What, what does that look for? What is our final destiny as believers um, in Christ and being a Hebrew Israelite? Absolutely. Um, uh, that one is that one is for me. Um, the promise that Jesus gave to us um, for his return is to rule and reign with him in his in his kingdom, mm. the resurrection is to be part of the first resurrection, the first resurrection of which the power and the second death has no power. Mm. That is the destiny. Every Bible-believing Christian should seek to be a part of the first resurrection, which is the rest of Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. That is preparation. That is the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on earth Mm. in preparation for the Father's kingdom. That is the destiny. That is what he promised us. That is what he's restoring us back to. And that's what I seek, and that's what every Bible-believing Christian should seek, is the first resurrection and the reward, which is to rule and reign with Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Mm. How did your life change as a result of acknowledging your identity as a Hebrew? I know it's been a long time coming. We grew up in a church, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you come across this knowledge. Mm -hmm. And like I was asking, you know, when does a curse stop? and it doesn't necessarily end in totality of time, but mm-hmm. like your life will be changed yes. once you start following, you know, God's laws and commandments. Absolutely. And these things that are that you've been subjected to, you you're able to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how did your life change once you started following the laws and commandments? Yeah, um, it, it it changed in every way. Um, it changed in the relationship with my wife, the fact that we both have a. Uh, equally yoked relationship mm. where we both understand what we're called to do and who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, she understands her role. I understand mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand that we walk together as unison and unison as one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's improved our communication. Mm-hmm. It's improved our relationship. Uh, just everything about it is just, just better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's improved my authority and confidence mm-hmm. about how I approach life yeah. I don't approach life with a with a doubt and an uncertainty mm. I approach life with with truth and confidence 
So I'm no longer wondering whether or not God is going to do, mm. or whether or not God is going to answer, or mm. whether or not God. I don't. That, that's gone. The speculation, the speculative nature of Christianity is now out the window. Yeah. I'm confident in what God is doing and what He said to me. I know what He's clearly said about keeping His commandments and what He would do for me if I kept His commandments. That He would make my way prosperous if I kept His commandments. That I bring forth my fruit in my season. Um, all of that He would establish me. That I would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. See, I used to think those were arbitrary statements. Like mm. those were just well, if I avoid evil and do good, that He would do that. Now I understand mm. what He means by that. I'm keeping His commandments, and He's allowed. He's allowed my business. He's allowed the work that I do um, with other individuals. He he's allowed the teaching that I do, all of those things to flourish. Um, the relationships, the favor that he's given me when I come in contact with individuals. It's all its all gotten better. It's all improved at a level that I haven't seen it before. Mm. The peace that I operate with. I know that, one, the other thing that I think probably the most proud, profound thing that I'll say, and I'll, I'll close that part with mm. this, is... Um, the fear of death, the fear of dying, is gone, right? The uncertainty of death, yeah. of what, what happens. Right? People are like, well, what happens? You know, are you in heaven? Are you in the The uncertainty of death is gone. Now, it doesn't mean I want to die. Right. It doesn't even mean I'm ready to die. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that I'm afraid to die. Right. Which means if I'm not afraid to die, which means I can fully live. Mm. And so being able to fully live means that I can absolutely champion and embrace all aspects of life with the confidence that God is with me. Mm. And that is a that is that's when he says you are an overcomer, overcomer and more than a conqueror. Mm. That's the unique nature of knowing who you are and what you're called to do and who's for you. Mm. That's dope. And so that's that's how many years in the making for you, would you say? Um, it's 2018. Uh, it's. That is, um, ooh, eighteen years. Eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yeah. Cause I eighteen years. Eighteen years. Mm -hmm. Um, on this journey, and finally getting to a place where I'm like, man, I'm thankful. It took a long time, but now I know that God called me to be a teacher. Yeah. So if that's the case, um, then I understand what those eighteen years were for. Yeah. They were for a level of understanding. And I'm still learning. Word. I'm still learning. I yeah. still have a lot to learn. Yeah. Right? And I'll be learning until I expire. All right. So, yeah. So tell people about the, the Bible study, you know, the teaching that you do. Yeah. Um, so we do our Bible study um, every Sunday mm -hmm. at 9 a.m. at Emmanuel Church. Um, that's 1032 North Sumner or 1033 North Sumner mm -hmm. um, in Portland, Oregon. And we study based on Isaiah chapter 28 line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't get into fairy tales. We don't tell stories. <laughs> we don't make stuff up. Mm -hmm. We go directly from scripture, um, from a Hebrew Israelite perspective. Even those who don't know that they're Hebrew Israelites right. are getting the Hebrew Israelite perspective yeah. because that's who we are. So that's our, that's our Bible study. And I may add, for those uh, that may listen to you um, that say, well, why are they teaching on Sunday? Um, it's the same reason that Jesus went where those who were in need of a physician. Mm -hmm. He's like, I didn't come for those who aren't in need of a physician. If you're not sick, 
if you don't know and you're not in a place where you, if you already know then mm-hmm. I didn't come for you mm-hmm. I go where people are yeah people need to hear the truth mm-hmm. and need to understand that whether they worship on the Sabbath day or whether they worship on Sunday mm-hmm. we do our class where people need to hear it yeah I'm not an isolationist I'm not a separatist when it comes to that I want everybody to be saved which is the same way that Jesus was he's like I don't wish that anyone should perish so if people are worshiping on Sundays and they need the truth people mm-hmm. on Sunday need the truth just like people on the Sabbath day need the truth word, word. Yeah. that's dope um and I, I will say you know since I've been going I've been greatly blessed by it you know awesome. and just being able to come into a revelation of things that I've been thinking like I've told you things that I've thought about and it's just I didn't know exactly how to bring all the information together or what was actually like what where was God leading me mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. led me away from a certain situation mm-hmm. and then I was just in this kind of my own little wilderness mm-hmm. for the past couple of years mm-hmm. like I know that this isn't the track that I'm supposed to be right, on right um, I'm being led into a different path of, of knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. and then coming in and learning from you is like it helped bring everything together and hearing the Bible talk precept mm-hmm. upon precept because I've never been taught that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I appreciate it oh man it's a blessing I yeah. am honored I'm honored I'm honored to have you and the other brothers there that come and yeah. and the beautiful thing about it is it's an open discussion it is it's not a it's not a session where there's a voice and only one person gets to talk that's the best open. part about it yeah. like you are open to everybody asking questions yeah. You won't stick to like the script as far as I know you don't get through half of what you right, right. <laughs> what you right. set out to do right. because people be asking questions or they just be making comments. Yeah. But you yeah. give them that free reign to do yeah. it and that's that's beautiful, man. Yeah. 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 We we've spent too much time in the church where people don't allow um, room for people to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's the purpose of going. Yeah. I mean, we've changed that to you know, it's a celebration, it's a party, um, but no one learns anything. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. No doubt. I'm going to keep bringing brothers as much as possible, yeah. man, because like, we all need it. We all need that understanding, mm-hmm. for real. So I always wrap up every uh, episode mm-hmm. with uh, something I call the Fat Five, just five questions okay. that I ask everyone. Okay. Yep. Uh, first question is kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. What is, first things first, what's mm-hmm. your favorite genre of music? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a soulful R and B man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I you know you expect me to say gospel. Um, not necessarily, but I, didn't, but I, didn't have I, you I really, <laughs> I really, I mean, I listen to gospel. Obviously, that's probably the most that I listen to. Yeah. But my favorite, uh huh, my favorite genre, yeah, rhythm and blues. Man. Okay, so what artist or album made you fall in love with R and B? Oh man, um, this is gonna sound funny, man. <laughs> okay, it was in. It was really. Uh, I think I was like a freshman in high school. Okay. And it was Freddie Jackson. Freddie Jackson. Freddie Jackson. All right. Freddie Jackson, man. I was like, wow, man. <laughs> it was Freddie Jackson and Elder Barge. Mm. Freddie Jackson and Elder Barge. Elder okay. Barge was, I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? This is, yeah. So I, I really, really learned to love music. Yeah. Real music mm. at that point. You said what they making now is not. Nah, man. I don't know about this <laughs> stuff now, man. There's a few of them out there that's all right. But yeah. for the most part, this is some different stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, they, they done lost their way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Is there a movie that affected your outlook on life? Oh, man, a movie that affected my outlook on life. Um, And when I was a small kid, man, the second movie that I ever saw in my life was The Color Purple. Mm. Um, And I was, I mean, I was in awe, man. I was Mm. just like, 
that that movie really moved me. Uh, I mean, I, it was the first time I even watched anything and cried. Wow. I mean, I was like, so that, yeah, that definitely moved me, man. That mm-hmm. I, I think back on that, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of genres and movies since then, but, yeah. you know, you don't forget that kind of stuff as, mm-hmm. a, as a kid going to a theater and watching Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey and yeah. watching Oprah punch the, punch the lady in the face and, and then being required to serve her until she was old and blind yeah. um, that man that, that had an impact on me wow. as a young man like nothing yeah. else yeah what age was that for you that it moved man, you like that you that had, I had to be man I, I, what nine man you were moved at nine, nine years old by yeah. That, yeah that that movie man at that time that was big wow man. I hadn't seen anything like that yeah you yeah. know and, and that was that wasn't a time when there was a lot of history being taught so yeah. you know entertainment was a big way of hearing things I mean that was that was the time where messages were being communicated in music yep. and they were being communicated I mean Good Times was mm-hmm. the kind of shows that was on TV and, and so it was those shows were message type of shows mm-hmm. right and so you go into a movie theater and you watch The Color Purple and you see those things the plight and the struggle um, of our people in a place where there was happiness and sadness and there's a little bit of everything in that movie man yeah. the black experience so mm-hmm. so yeah that moved me man okay um, when you start to feel overwhelmed how do you de-stress? I like to read. Yeah, I read. I mean, reading for me, um, and I'm I'm an avid reader, and I have a problem because I read like four books at the same time. That's a problem, man. man. That is my worst <laughs> life. I'm like halfway through about four or five. Yeah, books right yeah, now. yeah. I can't help it, but I read. I, I really just enjoy opening up a book, putting my feet up, man, and just and, and reading and learning. Yeah. Or, um, so, what book would you recommend for everyone to read right now? Oh man! Um, well, I, I would recommend everyone to read the Torah. Okay. Open their eyes. And what does that mean? What a lot of people don't know. I would say the first five books of the Bible. Okay. Understand the first five books from a Hebrew perspective. Yeah. Say so what is God trying to tell people in those books? Mm-hmm. Not don't don't read it for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Don't read it for motivation. Mm-hmm. Read it for regulation. Understand what God is trying to convey. What message is he trying to convey? Not the, don't get caught up in the ceremonial. Don't get caught up in the carbon dating of how old the earth is. (laughs) Read it and try to understand the message that God is trying to send. Um, I would have to recommend that. And then if you can get your hands on a copy of that Lost Tribes and Promised Lands Mm -hmm. and understand the origins of racism, Mm-hmm. The origins of how people started to think that they thought about monetizing color, mm-hmm. because it, that will tell you how people began to understand that race was not color was not an issue. You were you were it was not color that that showed or separated people. It was geography. Mm-hmm. And so, and if like they tribes and, and stuff. tribes yeah. and stuff, it had nothing to do with color. Mm-hmm. Color was not even a thing. Um, so. That book, uh, if you can get a hand on that, and it's, I tell, I, I would tell your listeners, man, that it's a hard read. Mm-hmm. You might have to read it a few times, um, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't even cracked that one open because I don't want, you know, like I said, I'm halfway through about four or five books. Uh, right yeah, now. right. <laughs> but that one, I'm gonna have to read that in one. Like that's the only book I'm reading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, I had to do it that way. Yeah, I had to break down everything else and just focus yeah. on that one because. One of the things I do, I read slow. I read with tabs, and I read with uh, research. Mm. So I read really slow with books like that. So I tab stuff, and then that was the first time. I consider myself to be fairly articulate and understanding um, the English language and words very well. Mm. 
I spent more time looking words up in that book than I ever have in any other book that I've read. Yeah, so it, it, it took me some time. All right. Yeah. So, so. Um, last question. Now, this is something where you would not be able to benefit from any pleasure of this activity. Okay. okay. But what message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Um, I want I want people to clearly know a couple of things. One, that I love God and I kept his commandments. Two, that I'm not in heaven. I'm resting. I want my eulogy to be a message to people about truth. Mm. I want people to understand that no man is in heaven, that I'm resting. I don't want somebody getting up there and saying to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't want any of that at my eulogy. I want a message being sought. I want I want people to understand truth at my eulogy. Um, and then I also want people to know and to feel like I impacted lives. That there are going to be some people in the kingdom because of the way that I talk. That I did my job. And I did it the way that God called me to do it. So... Well, y'all, if y'all still hanging around, I appreciate y'all for listening, man. It's been very educational for me. I hope it has been for you all as well. Um, brother, oh, how can they get a hold of you and contact you if they have any questions? Uh, they can definitely email me is the best way. Um, they can email me at Orlando at ModusRecruiting.com. That's Orlando at M as in Michael, O, T as in Tom, U, S as in Sam, Recruiting.com. I'm always open to questions. I respond to every question I get, mm. um, and I try to do so within a in a quick period of time. So if they got any questions, don't agree with something I said, yeah. I'm always open to discussion. Right. Um, and like I always say, Acts 17:11 applies to anything that I say. Mm. Uh, search the scriptures and do your own research. But right. I'm open. Reach out. Dope, dope. And also Sunday. Yep. Is it is it nine exactly? Nine ten thirty. It's nine to ten thirty at Emmanuel Church, ten thirty three North Sumner, yep. Portland, Oregon. Yep. Um, I'll be there hopefully every Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yes, and yes. Uh, yeah, you can reach out to me if you don't have my uh, any of my social media at sxsndls. That's for Twitter and Instagram. My personal Instagram Emmanuel since eighty five. Uh, on Facebook, my government Emmanuel Williams. So. Once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. This episode is, is peak Socks and Sandals, man. I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as I did. Grace and peace. Visibility with no ifs, ands, buts And the ball goes with that chain in that wrist hand Cuffed All you see is the gold rope, rolly bezel Like that vanity ain't so regretful Chasing them Yeah, they own that Yeah, they chase them But it's all vain It's all vain So they live for it They just want it all but it's all vain, it's all vain Talk to him I see them shining with their chains. They in bondage to the limelight. That shining is a chain. They claim they born for it. Shining's in their veins. But if it ain't for his glory, that shining is in vain. That's just some of life's entendres. There's two ways to live. Life's an entendre. They don't get it. They think I'm making noise. But there's no power behind it. Like exhaust pipes on Hondas. Yeah. 
but au contraire, the word I'm sitting on is a gold mine player. There's no reason to doubt, and if you do, you can't sleep in this house like old time shares. <laughs> it's only for his family. I'm cool, I'm chilling, just me and the breeze. Yeah, hashtag and I freeze. They got ecclesiastical swagger, it's all vanity. Yeah, they on that. Yeah, they chase them. It's all vain. It's all vain. So they live for it. They just want it all. But it's all vain. It's all vain. Talk to them. Yeah, they on that. Yeah, they chase them. But it's all vain. It's all vain. Without a trace, and beauty flees from her face like a getaway. As gravity pulls, elasticity grabs, descending gradually. You're as easy on the eye as some pepper spray. While in the meantime, between the two gates over your grave, you spend your life on earth accumulating things like leaves. Adam and Eve use the cover flaws. We forgot in our heart, we do the same, call them costumes. By any means, or any measure, or any way, you are that grass that withers, you see that flower fade. And not a drill on earth can cover our mistakes. Like spraying perfume over an open grave. He's all over all things. I'm blood covered raw meat. Thoughts spring to rip out as dry as some saltines. Pray you see the cross of Christ as an offering for all need is grace. Be your offspring of faith over. Yeah, they on that. Yeah, they chase them. But it's all vain. It's all vain. 